What's up, everybody? It is Friday, September 24th. You are listening to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Pat had to jump on a flight to Philadelphia for Friday night smackdown. But it's still a feel-good Friday. Coach JB, James Harrison, Jared Allen, three great conversations. Plus, AJ is back from the Ryder Cup. He and Pat go through the entire week three slate. It's a good one. Let's get into it. Last night, I'm not doing great right now. It's a feel-good Friday, so inevitably I'll get out of this, and I'll start feeling better about myself and everything going on in my life, and I'll be pumped to get to Philadelphia tonight for smack Dan. But right now, I'm still kind of walloping in my sorrows here, mm-hmm. and the issue is that same-game parlay last night should have hit. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was it on its way. You all saw it. Mm-hmm. We all saw it. Last night, the Carolina Panthers go into Houston, and they cover, and mm-hmm. they get a win. And Sam Darnold is looking like a much better quarterback than he had ever looked when he was with the New York Giants. There was moments whenever he was with New York Jets. I'm sorry, when he was with the New York Jets. There was moments whenever he was playing under the Adam Gase umbrella that you thought, wow, this guy does stink at football. Yeah. Just a turnover machine. Mm -hmm. Just like he was in college at his last year. Got a lot of turnovers, but everybody says when you're with a bad team, you're a quarterback, you're going to force things, you're going to try to make plays. Then he came into the NFL, still made some of those bad decisions, and some of his people that were supporting him said, well, he's trying to make plays because he's the only person on team. And on the other side, it was like, well, their team stinks because he turns the ball over. So we didn't really know what was going to happen when Carolina got their hands on Sam Darnold. Joe Brady, though, Matt Rule, old Phil Snow, the defense coordinator, they got it figured out. It feels like that team is humming. It feels like that team is rolling. It feels like Sam Darnold is this rebirth down in the Queen City. And they don't go downtown. They go uptown in Charlotte. It feels like Sam Darnold is balling out. Yeah. Now, is that because the Tannehill effect and the Adam Gase effect and everything like that? And somebody released even more information on that potential curse that whenever you're playing for Adam Gase, you're probably going to stink. But then immediately upon leaving the Adam Gase umbrella, <laughs> you actually get much better. Kevin Clark, a man who I think doesn't like Adam Gase, at by Kevin Clark tweeted, you think the Gase thing is a funny little meme because Tannehill and Darnold improved post-Gase and because the Broncos won the Super Bowl immediately after he left? Then you see he left LSU after 2002 and they won the national title in 2003 then you realize how deep it truly goes and kevin clark was not done yet he said i regret to inform you this is not a joke adam gase's michigan high school marshall won the state title in the first season after his 1996 graduation (laughs) this is good luck chuck in football yeah now will you bring adam gase in if you know your team's gonna stink and then, uh, okay, we'll fire him, and then that'll automatically get us back that in there. Nice. I'm not sure, but the big storyline coming out of last night isn't that we called that the Panthers were going to go into Houston and cover. It wasn't that we, we thought that the over was going to hit, which it was very low and also was very close to hitting, but a missed extra point also affects some things a little bit there. But whenever you talk about Christian fucking McCaffrey, you're talking about a guy who's just so explosive. So entertaining, so electrifying. There was a play last night where he looked like he was going to be stopped for a two-yard loss. He did this little side cut, bounce back, L1 thing, and then boom, split the defense. It was like old-school Le'Veon Bell. He has the old-school Le'Veon Bell magic man. Now you see me. Now you don't. Le'Veon Bell had that. Christian McCaffrey has that. He also has incredible hands, explosion. He's willing to do whatever for his team at all times. And Troy Aikman actually said last night on the broadcast, he said, hey, I got got to go down on the field for warm for the first time in a long time. I was getting a chance to see the players. 
Christian McCaffrey's legs, because he's been rehabbing, are huge, he said. Two minutes later, his hamstring popped off his fucking butt. Oh, my God. God. Yep. Commentator curse. I don't know if that's commentator curse. I don't know if it's the same game curse people are potentially uh, no, saying. No, no, no. I was getting a lot of that last night. I just want to let you know. Christian McCaffrey's hamstring, I, I guess, pretty severely either ripping or tearing, is an absolute bummer for every NFL fan. Christian McCaffrey is awesome to watch, and he was only getting heated up. There was still 12 minutes left or 10 minutes left, I think, in the second quarter, and he was just starting to roll. It was getting into the red zone. It seemed like their defense, who is very good this year, flying around. They're getting the ball back. They were going to have another couple possessions, I think, in that first half. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, on a simple, basic, standard stutter step that they actually showed Zoomed in, replay, slow-mo, no less than 55 times last mm-hmm. night. Oh, yeah. Out of nowhere, he's gone to the medical tent. Hamstrings are no fun. You can't just sew them back together. You kind of have to wait them out. They're going to be annoying. They're going to be a nuisance. So who knows how long it'll be until Christian McCaffrey is back. But this is one of those things that we're talking about. It is a shame that he is gone. And a lot of people are pointing a finger at Thursday Night Football. Maybe there wasn't enough recovery time. Now, we're only in week three or whatever the NFL season. So I don't think that is a valid argument at this point. People should be fresh, including... Not fresh. They're still beating the hell out of us. But you understand what we're saying there. But losing Christian McCaffrey in the first half not only changed last night's same game parlay much for the worse. We probably hit the over and he scores. I mean, that is. Yeah. Different story. I mean, he could have already scored Sam Darnold fucking. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't score. That guy. He said, I wouldn't score. <laughs> Everybody was literally watching the game, at least me, because I had him to score in the first half. Just watch Christian McCaffrey as soon as they got tackled on the four yard line whenever he came across. It was like, oh, there he is. There, they, camera people, I think, even were on there. Oh, the same game parlay is about to. Here we oh, go. Oh, nice. And then Sam Darnold goes, nope, this one's from me, actually. Sorry. Yeah, Adam Gase, fuck him. <laughs> Scores touchdown. But last night, the game got incredibly boring. Oh, yeah. So I mean, bad. Davis Mills, I assume he's potentially going to be an okay quarterback at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's necessarily in the right situation to have super success. The neck is obviously something very impressive. <laughs> Coach Dave was chewing his tongue again on TV. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Houston Texans are a team that had covered and covered, and then Tyrod Taylor with another hamstring. He's out. Now they got Davis Mills. Who knows what the rest of this season looks like. While they're still having to handle the entire – you know, there's a rather large situation happening with the person that is the largest portion of their salary cap, who also happens to be in the largest position of importance in football, a quarterback with Deshaun Watson, that they have to rule out every single week. There are very 22, I think, very serious allegations off the field happening. The NFL still has not put him on the exemption list. I'm not 100% sure why. I don't know how that works, why that works. Why would they want a Houston to have to come out and broadcast every single week that they're not going to address? It just doesn't feel like that's... And there's no way he's going to be able to play with 22 of these types of... These are very serious allegations. I think everybody has the same mindset. Like, hey, that shit has to get figured first before figured out first before we deal with any of this other stuff except for it feels like the exemption list which was created for this type of thing i thought i just i think the houston texan season we had a lot of high hopes for it there earlier with what tyrod taylor was able to do i think it is potentially going to turn into what we potentially thought it was going to be going into the season there's a lot of distractions down there yeah and i got a lot of faith in pep hamilton and coach dave collie after hearing from him and tyrod mm-hmm. taylor is a legend and everything like that and they got some great running backs i get it but there's a lot of distractions in that building and that is not conducive to winning football games so i don't know if last night was all Carolina just being absolutely dominant or Houston potentially, you know, 
not really doing much good stuff for football, but I'm worried about J.C. Horn. I'm worried about Christian McCaffrey. I'm happy for Sam Darnold, and I'm worried about the Houston Texans after Thursday night football. Yeah, and it kind of just like reinforces like how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it, like it's not like anyone was gassing up Dave Mills like he was going to blow them out of the water, but I feel like a lot of people kind of have just like this general disrespect towards Tyrod Taylor, but like he he makes them a much different football team. And on the other side. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. McCaffrey's too explosive for his for his own good, almost. And now we will see. I mean, I feel like this is just like last year with Teddy Bridgewater. Like, we'll see how good Sam Darnold is if he doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. And obviously, their defense changes a little bit with J.C. Horn. So we'll see going forward. Listen, and to your point about quarterbacking, and I don't know how Mills did in Stanford. I I should have watched more Stanford games. I assume he was good. Okay, mm, he Th- third round draft pick. But yeah, third round draft pick. I guess he's pretty good. He was their first pick they had. Well, they also didn't have a pick. Yeah, so <laughs> right. you know that kept being a thing. The first pick that they had, they picked this. It's like, oh, so you're saying that what they thought was most important, as opposed to saying, hey, the best person that's currently available in our ranking is this. But if you think about, you know. You go back to Urban Meyer's comments, the Vic Fangio, it's like every week is Alabama. And then Todd Haley, I think yesterday said like a super Alabama, though. Chuba Hubbard, remember, he was supposed to be like uh-huh. superstar. Oh, yeah. And he's still going to potentially be good. And he had uh, the same quickness and explosiveness. But ain't nobody watching that going like, okay, Chuba Hubbard, Christian McCaffrey are the same player. No, you know <laughs> what I mean? That is, and that's just on one team. Chuba, remember how good Chuba was yeah. in college football. Absolutely. And then you lose Christian McCaffrey, it's like, Everybody in there, including the team, is like, okay, Chuba's a good player. Hey, this is a good player. He's in the NFL. He's a good player. Maybe he'll have enough burst because he seemed to have a couple very Christian McCaffrey-like legs still driving, mm-hmm. laying a couple good cuts, and I assume he's only going to get better, but that's the difference between the men's league yeah. you know, in college. Like, there is a vast difference in those two, skill levels and everything. And that's why you never know if any of these rookies are going to work out. You have no idea if these rookies are going to work out. Now we just got to hope that, you know, Sam Darnold and the boys can continue to win and do their thing until Christian McCaffrey gets back out there and somehow his hamstring says, you know what, I'm going to fucking join back together with you on the other (laughs) side of his hamstring. I I don't know how you fix hamstrings. I have no idea how you do it. I've never, luckily, even though I can't touch my toes, I've never experienced a, a pulled hammy or anything like that. Had a groin, mm-hmm. had a hip flexor, because that's kind of like the soccer stuff that's mm-hmm. going to happen. I think I even had a calf one time Damn. after uh, 2 a.m. cramp came. Uh, sure. And I think it just like continued to be a little <laughs> bit of a pull there. Never had the hammy. The hammy, though, seems to be a fucking nightmare for everybody. Yeah, well, when you're that explosive, you can't be running 25 miles an hour and then skipping in the air and expecting your hamstring not to Oh, rip you're blaming Christian McCaffrey. No, this blaming. is not a Carson Wentz I'm not blaming him, but we have talked about it. He's damn near too explosive, and he's going to get hurt. But to your point about the rookie quarterbacks, like Sam Darnold, three years and everyone thinks he stinks for three entire football seasons goes to a different place and now all of a sudden he's you know great or at least good enough to be a starter in the NFL and they're already comparing him to Tannehill and Tannehill has been pretty damn efficient over the past three years when he's gotten away from Gase. Tannehill got another hundred million dollar contract (laughs) after leaving uh, Adam Gase. Now that is if Darnold continues to go, and remember, all those quarterback gurus Jordan Palmer's, all the other guys that talk like quarterbacking, they're like Sam Darn, I think Orlovsky. Sam Darnold is a great football player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he if he goes to the right situation, and I think a lot of quarterbacks uh, think that because it, maybe if they like quarterback gurus don't seem to be the um, 
you know, like the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks, right? Yeah. It seems like it's quarterbacks that have been around the Mount mm -hmm. Rushmore quarterbacks who are also very good and maybe have a different, like, brain, like an analytical brain and, like, break down that whole thing. And I, I wonder if whenever they say stuff like that, I think to myself, like, they're talking about, like, hey, if I would have been in a good situation too, like, I feel like I see a lot of me in this quarterback or whatever, you know? Because there's a lot of quarterbacks, I assume, that have gone come into the NFL in a terrible situation and have just been labeled bus. Yeah. And then their family, their community, everybody that they've ever been around, like they know they've been around the guy, but the, the narrative about him is no, this guy's a bus. So I think whenever some of those quarterbacks that are quarterback gurus see a situation like Tannehill happen and like Darnold happen, if this continues to happen and goes on, remember we're only three games into this. Yeah. Thing. But if this goes on to be a super success story, I think they're, that makes them feel much better. Like, yeah, this is not just these guys, by the way, there's numerous guys around the NFL that probably would have made it if they had the right situation. But then there's also guys we see get on the field. It's like, how do these guys get this situation? Yeah. They fucking stink out there, you know? Well, it seems like a lot of those guys, too. And not, I mean, I'm sure they know, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks pretty well. But I feel like all the time it's like their physical attributes. Like, oh, he's big. He's got a bunch of arm talent and stuff like that. But when, you know, talking to Aaron here and Peyton every Monday night, what Tom's doing, like, what, what they like what's going on between the ears is the difference yeah exactly there's so like, the difference because obviously if you're getting drafted in the first round like you have the arm talent you're big you're athletic you know like but there are only so many guys that are wired like that between the ears and i don't i once again i do not want to ever act as if i'm anywhere near that stratosphere of the humans they just talked about but there's a lot of humans that can kick a ball somewhat close to how far I can kick a ball. Right. There's a lot of people that can catch footballs just as good as Devontae Adams. There's a lot, maybe not, but you get it. Like there is the difference between good and great is in between your ears. And that is it. You'll see people with bad bodies who can't lift as much, but somehow they become these elite pros and guys that look like Tarzan have no chance at all for some reason. It's like, well, that's because it's not necessarily just about the physical attributes. The brain is the thing that you need. There's traits that I assume it's hard to figure out in an interview process whether they're going to have it or not. And you just got to hope, and I think that's what you hear a lot of scouting and front office people talk about and coaches, you just got to hope that your guy has it. You just got to, mm -hmm. yeah. like Sirianni doing rock, paper, scissors, in cornhole and shooting basketballs against like i think that is his best attempt at like i think i can figure out in the middle of this whether or not this guy wants to really is going to be a guy who's like going to flip the checkers board if he's going to lose right like, like that is the difference between those who go and get it and those who are like okay they're good hey you did it congratulations you were good and then there's the people that just go and i'm not saying that i was one of those people but i think people would i'm Six foot one, most punters six three, six four. I mean, I was faster than a lot of them, and also I kicked a soccer ball against the side of my house the entire time, but I couldn't touch my toes. I didn't have the best technique. I literally only learned how to do the NFL style of punt when I got into the NFL because I was doing the Aussie style in college, basically. So I have a lot of respect for any of the Aussies that can come over and turn into that whole thing. But I just feel like there was no way I wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and how do you know everybody has that thing? You know, mm -hmm. like, how does how do you know that they got it? And that's what that's what separates the good and the great, and that's the difference between college and pros, and that's what is the difference between, you know, just making vet men and being, you know, the highest paid player at every position. It's all the mental thing, and it's hard to it's hard to address that whenever you go through the combine time and everybody's talking about how impressive these stats are and everything like that. It's like that is awesome. Hey, I fucking love that guy. 
let's go. He's explosive. Is he going to like his teammates or his teammates going to like him? Yeah. And is he going to buy into whatever you need him to do to win? Like, that is the most important thing. And I think that's why, like, the Patriots, mm-hmm. the Patriots, and Chuck Pagano told us the other day, they got a bunch of high football IQ guys who just are willing to do whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, why doesn't everybody do that? And I asked Chuck that, like, why doesn't everybody fuck up rookie quarterbacks like Bill Belichick? Why doesn't mm-hmm. He's like, well, there's a lot more to that than just doing that. And that's that whole step of investing and properly appreciating, like, the mental state of your players and everything like that. I just think it's – there's a difference. I just think there's different levels to this shit. And who knows if Sam Darnold's got it or not. I guess we're going to find out. Well, and that's why not everyone in the first round, like, works out. Like, if, every, if that was the case, then Russell Wilson wanted to have been a third, fourth-round pick or whatever the hell he was. Like, those dudes, once they get in there, if they are those guys like you're talking about who are wired differently and can go and get it and be go from good – because everyone that yeah, goes also to the NFL be yeah. Like, that's not an easy thing to do. Not Because you got to be incredibly selfish to want to go. You hear it in all the Hall of Fame speeches. I apologize to my wife and to my kids. Mm-hmm. I was not around enough. I had to go do blah, blah, blah. We're going to try to make up for that. And like you hear it, not all of them, but most of them. Because you have to be incredibly selfish to get to that incredibly mm-hmm. high upper echelon of anything, by the way. Not just sports, but anything. you got to be incredibly selfish. you got to worry about what you're doing at all times. There's no time for any other shit. It's like, hey, I'm on a mission to get where i got to go. Now, you would hope that those people would also lift up others around them. But, yeah, I think, like, that is such a big deal. Being incredibly selfish with your goals and motives and, and mission almost, while also being cool enough to relate to other people around you and make them better that is a tough thing to do and and i think a lot of these super talented people have this uh incredible ability to whenever they're around other people to almost root for other people as well yeah so they can be selfish and root for other people and it's like hey we can all come together but those people that only care about themselves you know normally aren't going to make it and because in a team sport maybe in golfing boxing uh, disc MMA. golf, mm-hmm. yeah, MMA, uh, maybe some other things when you don't need anybody else. But the team aspect is such a big deal. That's why I'm excited to see Sam Darnold. Like, yeah. I'm excited to see if Sam Darnold's a guy or not because yeah. we have no idea. Matt Rule said he was playing well within the within the system and he was making some great plays. And Matt Rule talked about a couple throws. And by the way, Matt Rule's a guy who was successful in college coaching with Temple and Baylor. Had Baylor college game day almost uh-huh. in a goddamn playoff down yeah, there. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen again with Baylor. Oh. Sigma Bears! I could have died. Could have. Yeah. If a log was floating through the Brazos, that place is beautiful. The old Brazos flop or whatever. But he's now gone over there. Last year, everybody's talking about he's making good decisions. He's doing good things. He set up the good. They didn't win a lot of games. This year, they started on the feet, a lot of chatter. He did start in the NFL, though. So his original job, I think, maybe he started at Penn State, but he was in the NFL at some point before coming a head coach in college. That probably changed how he was a head coach in college. I'm not sure I wasn't in there. I just got a chance to chat with him and some of his players. He's like, I'm just about football, man. I don't give a fuck about anything. Like, I'm just about football. Mm-hmm. He said, like, this is not like a fun place to play. Like, I, I, I think a lot of colleges are like, hey, it's fun to play here. Rules like, we're just about football. Yeah. And I think that's that business mindset that he probably picked up whenever he was in the NFL. Urban Meyer, he never, I don't think he ever coached in the NFL. Never. He started in college where mm-hmm. it was like, you got to deal with 18-year-olds to get them there. And then at 21, they're probably leaving. 22, they're gone. It's a whole different ball game if you don't have that inner, you know, working of the relationship with like 35-year-old men, mm-hmm. 40-year-old men. You know, you can't just treat them like 20-year-old kids. 
You know what I mean? You got to change and adapt, mm -hmm. you know, or oh. they'll probably end up leaving and everything like that, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, but, you know, sometimes you know, if those guys do end up leaving, then, you know, the team will have a little bit of a down year and then they'll get their next future quarterback for the next 20 years, like right after it. So sometimes it works out for both the 40-year-old acting like a 20-year-old and, you know, the 60-year-old <laughs> who won't change his ways. My question to you, and we just – we talked, complimented Matt Rule there, I think, while added in that there's probably why Urban Meyer might take a little bit to adapt right. because there's two different styles of coaching and dealing with humans there, right? Because yeah. that's what you're, you're really just dealing with humans there. Speaking of dealing with humans, I mean, New England's getting, the story out of New England with Tom Brady, I thought Yikes. that was all settled down. It, it I is. I thought we were past that. It, we are. No, Not everyone I, I, is. I don't. New England folks got a book coming out on their side, I guess. Yeah. Seth, uh, what's his name? Wickersham. Wickersham, who did text me um, to come on the show or whatever and, and chit-chat. He sounds like a good guy, but the only stories that are coming out is basically the New England Patriots bearing Tom Brady. Is that what's happening right now? I don't know if it's the New England Patriots. I really haven't heard much about it. There were some radio shows in Boston talking about that. It definitely does kind of paint the narrative around Brady not being like this god that he – I mean, that he is. I, I said this yesterday. It's very hard to, like, hate players when you, like, do this type of business just because, like, <laughs> there's so much – so, Yeah, like, just by talking about them because you become so much more appreciative of them. And, like, with the Rodgers situation, this Brady situation, like, there's so much more to it than just a player playing for a team and, you know, supporting a fan base. It's like there's business. Yeah, there are humans that goes into this. There's business. There's so many other things. Like, I, I don't hate Brady, but I do hate Brady, if that makes any sense. Like, I can sit here and say, like, oh, I don't like Brady, but that's strictly because he doesn't play for the fucking Patriots anymore. Like, you hate a lot. You hate Carson Wentz. I hate everybody. Yeah, 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 I hate everybody who doesn't have a New England uniform on when they play on Sunday. But uh, it's, you know, I don't think this is ever going to end until either Brady comes out and just says, okay, this is what happened. This is how I feel. This is why I, you know, wanted to leave this. Like, because all that you're hearing is from Guerrero, Brady's dad. Now, you would assume that what Guerrero is saying, though, has probably been chit-chatted at least once or twice with Tom Brady, who's like his best friend. Yeah, right? and his dad. Yeah, and Guerrero said, the interesting thing I think there is, and this is just me, he said, an outsider looking in, because Belichick would not let him in the building, I guess. At one point, they kicked him out. Um, it was like Bill Belichick never really, I think his emotions or feelings never really evolved, evolved with age, said Alex Guerrero. I think in time with Tom, as Tom got into his late 30s or early 40s, I think Bill was still trying to treat him like that 20-year-old kid that he drafted. And all the players, I think, realized, like, hey, Tom's different. He's older, so he should be treated differently. And all the players, none of them would have cared that he was treated differently. I think that was such a Bill thing. He never evolved. So you can treat someone who's in his 40s like they're 20. It doesn't work. So you can't treat someone in their 40s like they're 20. It doesn't work. By the way, I agree. So this, do I. <laughs> I very much agree with what he said. And that's kind of what we all thought was potentially happening in there. Because all you ever heard was, hey, Bill coaches Tom just like he coaches everybody else. And it was always passed off as like a super positive thing. Like, hey, Bill treats everybody the exact same. Everybody's expected to be the exact same. And I always said, like, Tom allowing that to happen as a superstar, quarterback, as greatest of all time, is a trait that does not get talked about whenever people talk about Tom enough. Yeah. Like Tom allowing uh, Bill Belichick to publicly, in front of the entire team, just kind of chop him down almost. You mm -hmm. know, like, hey, just because everybody's the exact same. That is a trait, I think, that we should find admirable in Tom Brady at a position that has been, 
I don't want to say coddled forever, but the quarterback is treated a different way because if you have a quarterback, you have a team. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a team. So the fact that Tom allowed it to happen for yeah. like 20 years, I think that is a trait that we should also talk about. Is like, okay, this guy's the most competitive guy of all time. He's cerebral of all time. Seems to never back down in big situations. He makes every throw. He lifts up all his teammates. But also, he allowed his coaching staff and his coaches to talk to him as if he was an undrafted free agent who had accomplished nothing. Like, I think that is a trait we should talk about. Now, Guerrero saying that, it's clear that that is what had happened. And yeah. that is why, you know, Johnny or Tommy Foxborough or whatever <laughs> it was called, that whole thing happened because you could see how a grown-ass fucking man who's 38 years old who has six Super Bowls or 40 years old who has uh, five Super Bowls, I don't know what, what age he won when, you could see at some point he'd be like, hey, I'm fucking done with it. Like, yeah. talk to me like I'm a human, like I'm a man, because I've been around here just as long as everybody else. And I've been on the field as long as everybody. You could see how he could get to that point. And you could also see how old dog new tricks, Bill Belichick. Right. Oh, we've won doing this. Yeah, it's so worked. This yeah. is what works. And it's it's painted by the the everybody, the media, like, hey, this is what you do. This is how you win. Do the Patriot way. And I wonder if there's a lot of coaches, and you've heard coaches say this. You can do the Patriot way when you have Tom Brady, who's not only taking pay cuts, but he's also allowing you to chew him out yeah. if he's making any mistakes. I think that's what a lot of coaches were saying, because when you're talking about humans, think about yourself if you're listening to this and you think Tom Brady should shut the fuck up and do his thing. If you're 35 years old and you're the greatest of all time, it's already been, and you got somebody just berating you on Monday morning team meetings in front of everybody for every mistake you make. One, at some point, you'd be like, you know what? I'm fucking sick of this. Like, I'm not yeah. going to do this. Now, I guess people will do that. And I could see Bill's side, by the way. And I can obviously see Tom's side. So I think it's like almost more impressive that they didn't split earlier. Like the fact that Tom continued to take that. And I'm 34 right now. I've accomplished nothing. I couldn't even fathom if some punk, not punk, Okay, somebody that we work would just do that every single day, especially when I'm already pissed off at myself. You know, like I'm mm -hmm. already I couldn't even imagine it. So I think that is a trait we should talk about in positive lights. But I feel like those two, we're only going to learn more and more and more. And I bet they have great respect for each other. Yeah. It's just two very different ways of looking at life and how we should go about doing things as I continue to grow older. And we'll see what happens if he does evolve, because. If this situation kind of repeats itself, I'm not saying Mac Jones will be anything near Tom Brady because I don't know if anybody ever in the history of sports will be able to do that again. But if, if Mac does have success and, you know, he gets into his 30s and granted Bill might still be there at like 98 years old coaching the Patriots, but you you do wonder if he kind of learns from this and changes his ways a little because we were talking about it. Like Mac could easily go to Bill and be like, hey, you don't like we don't have to hate each other here. We can we can work together on this and you know, have kind of a different relationship than you did in the past and, and still Bill, be successful. Bill, so you're 21 years old. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sit your fucking ass down. Yeah. I'll see how it all plays out. But the more and more we hear from Tom's dad and mm -hmm. Guerrero, who is on the field and in the building with the Bucks every single yeah. day with him, it's the, the only thing that has really been around as much as like Giselle almost, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In Tom Brady's life. So whenever you hear him, it's like, okay, this is their side of things. Right. And it's like, that makes sense to me. If you're talking about a human, which is what Tom Brady, I mean, it looks like he's not at sometimes. He has avocado ice cream and his chocolate and all that shit. Uh -huh. He looks like an alien, but you could see how those feelings potentially, don't I deserve a little bit more respect around here? Makes huh? sense. No yeah. respect. Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and 
meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, well, I think they're going in a different direction, so let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Ha! Huh? Last a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging up. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's oh, right. Dingers. Downtown. Bingo. Occupier. Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the medication. Yeah, free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. What is the atmosphere like? What is the weather like? What is the uniform that Team USA is wearing like? And joining us now is a man who just participated in his first Ryder Cup. He and Rob Riggle walked out of a golf course with an 8-3 win, although overall they lost to the European celebrities. Ladies and gentlemen, college football national champion. What? Super Bowl champion. What? And potential Ryder Cup champion. Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hall. Yeah! another one on. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. How come you couldn't wear any of your Ryder Cup America gear today? Like, to, hey, say, hey, I'm still part of the team. You know, they're playing right now. They're battling yeah. right now. I want to be a part of them. You know what I mean? I actually thought about that, but this I, everything was all uh, dirty. I, I had it shipped back, a lot of the stuff that I had there. They, they were going to send it back to me because I couldn't take it all home with me when I drove to Chicago at 3.30 this morning to, to come back here and, and be in Ohio and, and get to watch the Ryder Cup on TV and be with you before you go off to, what, Philly? Yeah, I'm off to Philly. We can't thank you enough for making time yeah. for us. Yeah. Oh, AJ. AJ, thank you so much, man, for you sure. know allowing us to be a part of your Friday here. Wow. And I know the drive to Chicago had to suck at 3.30 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am definitely mocking you right now, but there is no way I wake up at 3.30, see that stare down that drive. Now, you have kids, so it's a little bit different, but if it was for this show, if that added into it, I want to let you know I appreciate that immensely. How was your experience out there? We saw a couple of your shots. Saw a couple of I don't know how you guys won. The other team must have been fucking terrible, huh? Is that what happened out there? I mean, I don't know, I don't know what shots you saw. This but, one, uh, mostly. This, this, one, one. this one. Okay, cool. Me and Riggle, Riggle were striping the ball. What do they call it? Ham and eggs if you play with oh. a partner? So, like, when I would have a bad shot, Rob would pick me up. Rob didn't really have many bad shots, but I at least... Uh, you know what? The, mo- the main thing I wanted to do, hole number one, you know, it's like a stadium around. Oh, they yeah. announce you, they play music. I piped that sucker, almost on the green, almost. I, I striped that dude. Let's Things- go! Yeah. And, which is all that matters, really. You know, first hole, they announce, okay, cool. Guess what? T-box on hole number two, hole number three. Topped each of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Guess what? Guess what my partner did? My partner picked me up, striped it down the fairway, and we got off to a, 
a one nothing lead pretty early and we never really looked back. Ham and eggs, dude. Hey, listen, whenever he needs you on that first one, because you're used to the crowd, isn't oh, yeah. it? AJ Hawk thrives under the pressure Ooh, of the stadium. Oh, yeah. He came out, got introduced. Yeah, Go Pack Go was getting chanted. I think you came out to Eddie Money. Did you pick the music that you came out to? Eddie Money, take me home tonight. Yeah, they asked me the night before, what's your walk-up song? I, like, I don't know. Like My Eddie? kids love that song. I love that song, and it sticks in your head usually. I mean, take, take me home tonight. I don't want to let you go till you see the light. So AJ got a chance to get intro wrestling introduction here. He picked Eddie Money, take me home tonight. I love it. Okay, there's a lot of other options out there, but that one made you most comfortable. And I love the fact you gave and throw a, threw a golf ball at some, some lady's head right before you teed <laughs> off. But you're driving... Your driving technique, you fall out of the batter's box as you're doing. Have you always done that? Is that exactly what you do in a simulator every single time? You hit it, what, like 386 or something when I was uh -huh. there with you in a simulator? Are you doing that same swing in real life every time? I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really think about it a whole lot. But, I, yeah, people, well, now that I've been playing in front of other people, they're like, what are you doing? Like, do you slip and fall every time you hit a drive? Like, I don't know. I guess so. And if it goes straight, I don't care at all what happens. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Rob Riggle's a player, huh? He can play. His his girlfriend is was caddying for him. She's a professional golfer, so she she helped me out. Like she's awesome. She's she's really good. Who was caddying for you? Uh this kid, he was awesome. His name is Brian Lee. He was on the junior Ryder Cup team. That's who caddied for most of the guys, but Rob's girlfriend is, you know, she's a pro player, so she was caddying for him. But this dude, Brian Lee, he was 17. He caddied for me. He helped me out a lot. After I topped those two drives, he's like, hey man, why don't you put the ball back a little bit? And I, said, I was thinking like <laughs> Oh, I thought I was topping it, so I got to put the ball in the front of my stand, so I pop it up. He's like, no, you know, angles. So I started putting it back a little bit, and then I actually hit pretty good drives the rest of the day. I'm like, hey, Bri, thank you, buddy. When you, win a, when you win a major in four years, remember me. Yeah, was he six foot four, too? Six foot five? No, he, Bri, he was probably my height, a little, a little taller than me, maybe. There was a photo that you were the shortest person yeah, in the game. Yeah, wild. Well, yeah, I played with... Sasha Vujicic, how, how tall is he? Six nine. At least he's tell us. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> Tony Kukoc, seven footer. That dude's a stud golfer too. Hey, what happened to Harry Potter guy? Yeah, oh, Jesus. Was, it, was that you? Did you play Scary. against him or no? Was, were you with him? He was in the group. Right, I was the first group of three. He was right behind me. We were out there at the 18th green. Like they did a little. The the European team won 17 to 16, I guess. Oh, and so after stinking. their little celebration, Jesus. he was like laying on the ground at the court, the edge of the green, and people thought he was messing around at first. I think it was like a bad seizure for a long time. Like it was scary. It went like minutes longer than you thought when they're yelling for medics and everything. It was terrible. So that was after a celebration. So there was a celebration of them dancing on you guys. And then just in, at the end of it, he kind of, it all just kind of collapsed in a full. I mean, that's I guess, scary yeah. as hell. I guess he was on the ground. Kelly Slater probably saved his life, honestly. Kelly and his caddy were down there holding him down, like trying to take care of him and get medics to him. Like it was, it was brutal. Kelly Slater is the surfer, right? Yeah, really good golfer, too. Did he do like put uh, CPR or anything that you recall? I don't know. I don't know if they had to pump his chest or not. But it was one of those things where he was—you could see it going on—and then they start yelling for people. But where we were is like down in a, like it's really hard to get to. I think you definitely couldn't drive an ambulance down there. You get golf carts down there, and like thirty seconds, forty-five seconds went on. I'm like, all right, this is still happening. And then you see them freak out even more, yelling for help. And I'm like, geez, we got to get something happening. And luckily. He was up and took him to the hospital, and I think he's doing all right now. Oh, geez, what a scary situation. Happy to hear he's okay. Yeah. I just learned of this guy yesterday. Uh, did you see me learn of who, who he was yesterday, and then all of a sudden, boom, this whole thing happens. I was, I was scared for the guy. Happy to hear I, he's okay, though. The soccer guy's a really good player I played against, though, right? I know Gump knows him. Who? 
Andre Pirlo. Del, Del Piro. Who's Del that? Piero? Come yeah, on. Del Piero. Alessandro Del Piero. Juventus legend, Guppy just said. Italian? Italian guy. Did he know Buffon? Did you ask him about Buffon, the goalie? I don't know what that is. But they they sure played together for years. Should have asked him. You should ask him about Buffon. How come you don't oh, just yeah. ask? He probably would have been telling stories. He would have been. Yeah. They Gee-gee. stunk at golf, huh? They were terrible. No, they were pretty good, man. Like me and Rob, we, we we were a good partnership. Like how we played. Rob drained a huge putt early that got us going, and I was pumping Rob up. I mean, he we were a good partnership. Hopefully, we get paired up in Rome here in a couple of years when they take it back there. <laughs> Did Rob do a lot of you know, like a lot of that yeah. stuff? Is that how he people is? People yelled the- at him. Yeah, people would yell at him the whole time, and obviously, and Pistol, my dad was there. Who's Pistol's there now. Took my, I gave him my pass. He's walking inside the ropes, following these guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> mine says like you can go inside the ropes, and like Riggle's like, yeah, man, come on, come with me, Pistol, we'll do it. And so he's gonna stay. And I text him like, how's it going? He's like, oh, good. I'm inside the ropes. I'm actually walking uh, right behind Steph Curry, following the last group. Jesus, Pistol. Hey, congrats, Pistol. Yeah, Pistol. Deserve it. He's gonna be on all the televisions across yeah. Europe and America today. It's Pistol. Legend. Did you think about sticking around to watch this thing? I guess it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's tied right now. I guess we got two in the lead. It's potentially. Yeah, of course. I, I thought about it, but you know, you know, it just there's a lot happening on weekends around here, so I had to get back. Oh, so your wife said, "Oh, that's fine. You want to go play your little golf game?" Yeah. <laughs> oh no, she's cool. I can't. Like, I got multiple kids counting on me for team. I got a flag game. I got. I got. Tackle practice, tackle game, soccer stuff, you know, stuff happens. And you had to represent America. I mean, AJ Hawk. 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 Let's go, AJ. You done? AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk! Yeah. Hey, Sabby. Do you know Sabby Piscatelli? He loves you. I was hanging out with him the whole time, pretty much. He used to play for the Bucks, right? Then he got into wrestling a little bit. And uh... He's so big and jacked, too. He walked in with uh, Mandy, his girlfriend, who played well, too. She like, never plays golf. She was paired with uh, Kelly. I guess she played very well. But uh, yeah, he walked in. I, I was like, man, I recognize this dude. And he's jacked. I mean, the most Italian. I mean, Sabby Piscatelli. It's one of the first things I said. Is this, are you the most Italian person ever to live? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's a really good dude. I, I like him a lot. He's absolutely stacked too. I mean, yeah. I, freak athlete. Obviously ripped, attractive. I don't know why it didn't work with wrestling. Did he not want to do it? Did he stop doing it? I don't. I don't really. He's, he acted like he. He said like, ah, I think I'm kind of transitioning out of wrestling now is what he said who knows if he wants that out there in public i don't know where he's at with it seemed like he had everything you could potentially want in there he was always very nice to us very though. good dude very yeah he was always very nice he was always like he feels like you're way too attractive to be as nice as you are pal. Yeah. you know what i mean it didn't make much sense especially yeah. because he was in the nfl as well i mean what a moment you just had let's talk about a couple things did you get to watch the game last night or were you two dialed into what team usa had for dinner I did not get to see much of it. I've seen <laughs> clips. I know Christian McCaffrey is hurt. I know it's somewhat of a cagey match, as Gump will say. Yeah, it was uh, it was a snoozer. I mean, yeah. it, it was a snoozer last night. Christian McCaffrey. Say, how does Sam Darnold do, though? Is he still rolling? So yeah. he looked good. I mean, he made some throws. There was a couple misses, I think. There was one he was rolling to his left. It was like the Zach Wilson combine throw that a lot of people immediately upon Zach Wilson doing, everybody else showcased how everybody else did the throw. And Sam Darnold was one of the people that actually, they say, look at this throw from Sam Darnold. He's rolling to his left with the Jets backpedaling sidearm and it was like a laser i think yeah. we all remember that he had one of those last night 
did not make the ball there. I was like, oh, no, Sam Darnold lost a little bit. But instead, he's playing great with them. I mean, Matt Rule talked about him after the game. He was like, he's playing great within the system, and he's making incredible throws and everything like that. They have it going on down there. Christian McCaffrey and J.C. Horn, though, those are two massive injuries that happen on a Thursday night football game. Uh, But I liked watching the Panthers, and they obviously covered, but the over didn't hit, and Christian didn't score a touchdown first half for a second. Do we have any idea, like, is this going to be a super long-term hamstring, or is it like a two- to three-week? Do we have any idea? I don't know. And did they pull him out of the game because they felt how the game was probably going to go with or without him? Like, we, we, I don't think we know anything about it. Because the hammy, what? You can't just fix that, right? The hammy No, like you can't just all of a sudden, hey, hey, gut this out. Like, no, it's going to continue to get worse, and you can't run. Yeah, and, it, like, I don't think you can fix it don't either. Don't stretch it either. And don't, people love to pull their hammy, and then they, they lay down and have a trainer stretch. I'm like, that's cool. When you just tore that muscle, make sure you stretch it more, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, you just, you, just, uh, you just Hulk Hogan the top of your shirt. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You just you literally had that thing snipped a little bit, and then you just ripped it even more. I, I was very lucky. I never experienced a pulled hammy, even though I'm not flexible at all. But I've seen others battle through it. It's like... It's impossible to fix. I guess you can stem and you can do all that shit, but you just got to hope that they come back. It's time. And, yeah. It's just time. Like you need time and need not to push it. And then that, the worst thing that could happen is if they try to like, okay, I think I'm good to go. He comes back and you pop it again and maybe you pop it worse and then it's a long-term injury. Joining us now is a man who I've seen on the internet do everything to his body to make it, what, maybe the most... I mean, he beat the fuck out of anybody. Right oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Still to this day, I, I believe. He's an incredible actor in the series Heels, which we all watch, obviously, Love every it. single episode. He's Love a it. fucking incredible actor. Super Bowl champ. The guy's all pro. He's got a football life coming out on NFL Network tonight. Joining us, Debo James Harris. Yeah! Yeah! What's up? What's up? How are you, man? Hey, how are you doing? Good, man. Hey, I watched you act a little bit. You're really good. You said the last time that it was a bunch of time. You had to sit there in the trailer. Then you showed up and they expected you. You did some na- natural, very natural, oh, yeah. Debo. Uh-huh. Especially without me. Are you the next rock, dude? Are you the next fucking rock, Debo? Listen, I ain't going to say all that, but I'm saying all that. <laughs> uh, it was awesome to watch you do your thing in there, and thank you for joining us again. Tonight's a football life. How was that shooting it? Was it, like, emotional? Was it any of that? Like, what should we expect nah, out of this man, thing? It was, it, was, it was good. They should expect to see uh, a side of uh, James Harrison or, or knowledge or understanding of me that they didn't have before that was, you know, outside of football or what they perceived to be. From just you know seeing me on uh, on TV and and with the uh, media sportscasters and all that put out there, so um, it was actually a long process. It was over the course of mm, probably four months or so in three four different locations. So, James, do you think like people that you're really close with that maybe you've even grown up with or you're close like close personal friends are they going to be surprised in what they see in this? Like, will they see a different side? No. No, <laughs> no, no. They know me. They they already know me. People that know me and and, and uh, you know I know them. They already know the real the real me. You know the person that you see or or you know that I I put out there in front of uh, the cameras and when I'm playing before I'm going into a game during the game is not the same person. I can't go out there with a hamburger you know cheeseburger smile on my face and get my job done. You know. Yeah, you got to be Debo, dude. Hey, we got to be Debo out here. We got to move weights. We got to go try to kill people. And back in the day, you were in the middle of that game, the game evolving and the game changing. Right, literally the game evolving in the middle of a game and them changing the rules and and, and trying to make an emphasis on something 
that they decided, well, since it was four or five, I think, plays like that that happened, like bang, 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 this is what we're going to do. Do, well, do you think you became the face of that? And is that what you're referring to whenever pe- you, you say, like, what people have heard about you? Are you talking about, like, a misconception yeah. about you being, like, a dirty player? or what? what exactly. Are you, yeah. Exactly. I mean, come on. I, the year before that, I was defensive player of the year. And then not even a year later, now I'm supposed to be the dirtiest player alive. Like, get out of here. You'll hear from, you know, people that I played against that are like, he's not a dirty player. He's playing the game the way the game was supposed to be played. They decided in the middle of a game to change the rules. Well, that's the, that's the thing. When, I guess it's a compliment to you. Like, hey, I just hit people so damn hard they had to change the rules before I killed everybody. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about the Steelers uh, now? What do you think of the Steelers this year? How are they going to be? We can not um, know what they are. That's the problem. I think we need to come up with an identity on offense, um, figure out what it is that we're going to do with, and, and stick with that and, and try and replicate that week in and week out. Um, I think right now they're searching and trying to figure out what works week in and week out. The defense is what's going to be their stronghold. They're going to have to stick to the defense. It's going to be like the Steelers of old where you have to have low-scoring games, and at some point in time during that game, the defense is either going to have to give scoring position, get a score, or do something that's going to affect that game because they have to keep it low scoring to have the abilities to be able to, you know, extend the season to even have a chance to going into the playoffs. Todd Haley, but the t- biggest thing is we're going to have to figure out to, like, they're going to have to figure out something on the offensive line. Yeah, to a lot of young guys. Todd Haley told us yesterday that Tomlin would actually come in and they would chat every single week. And it's like, hey, this is probably how many points you're going to need. Just listening to that conversation with that defense is going to have to win those games until Ben gets comfortable with that offensive line. And the defense in Pittsburgh has always been great. Is that something like when you show up there or when you leave there, you understand and appreciate? Or is it just the people that are in the building that are making that happen? I believe it's, it's the it's the it's the. Well, it's, it's a combination of both because, you know, you look all the way back to, you know, in the 70s when they had, you know, the steel curtain and so on and so forth. You know, it's it's built on, you know, defense. Um, that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers are. It's, it's a defensive dynasty. And now they're at that point where, you know, like when Ben first came in, it was run, 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 play action. And, you know, that that's what worked for us along with a defense, you know, that was that was top rated. And you kept the game low scoring and the offense made sure they gave the defense enough time to rest because they ran the ball. You know, you get time to get the defense charged up. They go back out there. They do their job. They try and make an impact or or impact play and and give an opportunity to score or score. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, James, when you're watching the, the football life on you and they're interviewing your coaches and players and teammates and stuff like that, was there anything that any of those people said uh, during this tonight when we're watching that, like, made you think or made you get emotional or anything like that? No. No. Um, <laughs> Are you – do you ever? Have you ever? Do you ever? Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten emotional before. I mean, it's things in this – it's things that aren't in this documentary or, or this life that, uh, you know, things with me and Coach LeBeau, you know, even, you know, one time I was in Cincinnati and they asked me about it. You know, I got, I got emotional about that. Um, you know, I'm an emotional person. I, you know, I have, I have a side. I have a sensitive side to me. You know what I'm saying? Everybody does. You can't be hard 24-7, you know. <laughs> so um, the, the side of me that – or the that side of that person that people see the most is probably my kids. They see that side the most. Um, that's something that, you know, I want them to understand, like, especially as, you know, as men growing up, like, there's nothing wrong with, with crying. There's nothing wrong with, with showing your emotions. 
I don't want you to be somebody that just wears them on your sleeve and, and now you're just an emotional mess. But it's nothing wrong with showing that side of you and, and letting out a tear, you know, now and then. If that's what, you know, needs to be going. I don't want you to cry because, you know, you're in pain. Like, that's not going to fix it. I mean, you can cry because you're emotionally hurt. There's nothing wrong with that. Man. And I, I think my favorite social media interaction with you is, uh, and it wasn't an interaction, but watching you on social, your kid uh, won a uh, participation uh, participation trophy, yeah. you know? And that whole scene between yeah. you and your kid basically, like, taking that, you, you didn't win this, okay? This is not a, that whole thing was just amazing. It's nice to hear about the soft side. I cannot wait to watch that in a football life. Did they dive into your business ventures at all? Because I've always heard these Man, rumors. When it when it comes down to uh, everything, they really couldn't get into everything. And to be honest with you, they had said, like, you know, we're not going to really be able to get into details of everything because it would end up being something that would need to be two and a half, three hours long, they said. So um, you depend what you heard of my business venture, what, what you hear. <laughs> it's something like gas, like natural gas or something. Is that real or not? No, no, no. I don't do nothing with natural gas. I have a I have a, a nice uh, number of apartment units i'll say oh okay yeah so you're oh, a real estate yeah. landlord yeah okay yeah <laughs> I, I forgot what I, somebody there was a rumor going around plum where we're from that you got into some like natural gas it must have been like you just bought land or, or built a part i don't know everybody well, i i had some land yeah and they were trying to do the shell you know the drilling and all that and i wouldn't allow them to do it so we were going back and forth and finally i just was like you know what i'm just gonna get rid of it and let somebody else deal with it <laughs> Smart. And by the way, that's probably two and a half, three hours worth of its own documentary. Right there. Yeah. I assume that whole conversation. I assume that conversation is a good one. Go ahead, Ty. James, given the success of Heels, and last time you came on with us, you talked about how you know you actually did kind of enjoy it. Are you like actively looking at doing more acting? Is there anything like on the horizon that you're going to be involved in? It's nothing that I have right now that I'm going to be involved in. Of course, my team is always actively uh, looking for something. Uh, right now, we're just, you know, sitting back and, and waiting for you get opportunities and you get things to read for and you read for them and send it out and they come back. They say it's either a yay or nay or you get an in-person read and, and you go from there. But are you all right. in? Are you all in on acting right now? Oh, I'm all in. Yeah, no question. You doing like acting like uh... I do acting lessons, classes. I have a coach. Yeah. Let's go, Debo! Yeah. Hey, was it Fast and Furious? What are we on? Fast and Furious? 10. 10? Oh, that has to be an easy thing. Get his ass uh -huh. in Fast listen, and Furious. I mean, listen, I'm, try I'm trying to get my foot into any door I can get it into. Smart. Hey, uh, James, what Pat forgets is that you told us last time that you've worked with an acting coach and you were all in back then before Heels yeah. aired. So uh, I do remember you saying that. We knew you were all in. But is there? have you ever looked at like, – is there any roles that you – I feel like forget. you wouldn't take like, oh, this isn't me, or I can't do this. I didn't forget. Diva. Um, it's it's probably anything. Uh, I don't know. It would have to be specific details of exactly what their role is and what it entails. It's not r really many things that I could say that I would turn down. Unless do you have a dream gig that I do you have like a dream uh, gig you'd want? Like this is my this is my like I, this is my ultimate goal to play this role or this character. Anything that's a, that's that's action hero. My ultimate goal would be to be like a either a super super villain or uh, a, a hero. I think I would be better as a villain. Hell yeah! I can really get into that and just bring out that nasty craziness of a character and just manifest it on the screen to to the point to where they'd be like, yeah, 
it's nobody else that could have did that. Yeah, you're a heel. You're a natural heel, which is why, <laughs> you know, the heels thing works out perfectly. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, James, in the trailer for the football life tonight, they actually talked about the pick six in the Super Bowl and that you were supposed to blitz, but you said, ah, fuck mm-hmm. it, and you dropped back and picked it off. How often during your career would there either be, you know, a blitz call or uh, on the opposite end, like you're supposed to be in coverage and you would do the exact opposite and make a massive play? So uh, Dick LeBeau gave us the opportunity to be able to adjust things if we saw something in the game that we felt like we would have an opportunity to impact the game. Same thing where you see Troy jumping over the line and making a tackle for a loss. And on that play, he got deep third. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's things like that where – but at the same time, you know, he would let Ryan Clark know, hey, this is what I'm about to do. So instead of Ryan, you know, having to cover – you know, one third he got to cover two thirds now, so he 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 played played through. But most of the time, you know, Troy was right. So you got to be on the same page there, right? I mean, that is a constant. Everybody mm-hmm. has to be on the same exact page. We were talking about this the other day with like the Ravens defense, where everybody was standing, and everybody wonders like, how come that isn't happening on a regular basis? It's because it's hard to get a group to buy in, right, and understand everything, Debo. My, my, well, it's not hard. I guess now it may be harder to get people to buy in, but back then it wasn't because your success is built on the team's success. And the better we play, the more they're going to look at the individuals on that defense and the more opportunities you're going to get to either make money there or go somewhere else and make money. If I do everything right, if 10 people do everything right on that play and one guy misses something, they could be striking the band up on us. And now we look like the worst defense in the world, but it was just one person that missed one assignment. So everyone has to be on the same page. And the better you know what you're doing, now you can start and understand what the person to the left of you is doing, what the person to the right of you you is doing. Now you can make the defense better. So if I'm dropping into the curl flat, and I have no one in my curl flat, but I know my corner is playing deep third, then I I need to slough back, get as deep as I can, 15, 17, 20 yards deep, so that they can't throw that deep cross. Now, everything else, we just bite up on. But if I know what he's doing, I already know what I'm doing. I know what he's doing. I know what the linebacker on the inside of me doing. I can better help the defense, and we can better help each other. What was I used to hear the quote all the time. If one person's wrong, we're all wrong. If we're all wrong, we're all right, basically. It's like that's everybody has to be on the same page at all times. Right. It's beautiful to watch. Uh, go ahead, Nick. James, you talked earlier. You spent a little time in Cincinnati. The Steelers are playing the Bengals this weekend. Uh, we talk a lot on this show about the Bengals and their coaching staff and how they had the bare-bones scouting department and they don't have the indoor practice facility. just wanted to see what it was like for you and if you noticed any of that stuff while you were there, what it felt like when you were there. Well, you, you, very, you very rarely needed to go inside to practice, to be honest, because they got turf field. So most of your practices can be done outside unless it's lightning or something. Then they would go to the indoor facility at uh, I believe the University of Cincinnati. Yeah, So... I think the biggest thing uh, or, or difference from there to, to Pittsburgh is just the actual, at that time, the, the coaching and the, the ownership of what's being like. We were like, dude, we were being fed Airmark like the stadium food was, was, was catering the food. Like, it's crazy. Like you're you're putting you know you putting eighty seven octane into a Formula One race car. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what was it like? The weren't you playing a four three and you were playing like Sam Backer and you weren't truly like the outside edge rusher? 
Yeah, it was it was it was built it was built different. So you know, just to actually fit in there was a little different. And then some of the times I was just playing like uh, one of the down linemen, you know, here and there. So you know, it wasn't a good fit. Do they cover any of that? Like any of the two Cincy back to Pittsburgh, the potential, any of the behind the scenes stuff in the in not in detail. Yeah, nothing. Not, like it's it's very it's very few of that. Like that's in detail. You know they. It literally said like we would need you know at least a two probably three hours <laughs> of football life to cover your whole story. Do they talk about the Rydell right there, Hawk? Put put that put that Rydell on the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, future blockbuster movie star. Hell yeah! It's only a matter of time. Super Bowl champ, multiple time. A football life comes out tonight on NFL Network. Ladies and gentlemen, James Harrison. Thank yeah! you. Hey, listen, one more thing before I go now. What's that? Hey, one of the greatest stillers of all time. It's his birthday today. Mr. Mean Joe Green. He's turning 75. Happy birthday. Y'all make sure y'all get that out there. Happy okay. birthday, Mean Joe Green. Yeah, Thank you for your service, Mean Joe Green. Thank you, Mean. 100% short, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, fourth rounder who has 136 career sacks in 12 seasons. Jeez. And he tied that song, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, Minnesota Viking legend, Jared Allen. Yeah! What's up, dude? What's up? How you guys doing? Did you hear AJ talk about all his celebrity friends right there? Did you get, did you catch the tail end of that thing? I did. I know Rob as well. And uh, AJ, you are going hard on him right now. Yeah, yeah he loves him. <laughs> I don't know how uncomfortable Rob is. Rob's a former I'm, Marine, I'm right? Uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable listening to him. <laughs> Hey, man, I got caught up. I got caught up. I love my country. I'm sorry, Jared. I got caught up. Hey, I listen, I love my country, too. I just don't know, I just don't love another man that much. <laughs> hey, listen, Rob Riggle allegedly is a guy, if you're going to love somebody that hard, you should. I'm happy to hear, though, that Rob Riggle will be uncomfortable with how much AJ has talked to him uh, about him. But I guess right. the guy's a great golfer. Jared, you're a freak athlete. You a good golfer? I'm not bad. I hold my own. Uh, I'm, better than I, I'm better now than I was when I used to play with AJ in that tournament, too. What do you do in retirement? What are you? What are you up to now? What do you do these days? Anything well, sweet? You guys, you guys caught me in the middle of some really uh, some chores. I'm picking up dog crap. Got to mow my lawn. <laughs> got to do a little overseeding. Um, you know all the fun stuff. Isn't it crazy? Are you up for the Hall of Fame this year or no? I am. Yeah, made the uh, made the long list again. Let's yeah. go! Let's go! Hey, that's awesome, right? Is it awesome, or do, are you are you kind of worried that this is potentially going to become an every year thing? No, I mean, I'm, I, was, I, was, I made the finals my first year, last year eligible, um, which is cool. So I think um, if, you know, obviously, you know, some of these guys have been on the finals list for like 15 years in a row. That's got to get a little bit redundant, right? But it's, it's weird. It's a weird deal. It's like, it's obviously an amazing honor, right? It's one of the coolest things. And, and to make some of my finals my very first year uh, last year was, was awesome. Um, and, and so, you know, to be, to be back on the, on the list again this year to see, we'll see how it plays out. Um, it, it's cool, man, but it's, it's something that you know people always ask. Oh, it's such an honor, it's so great, which it's such a great honor. But it's really one of those weird things where there's nothing I can do about it. You're, I'm just getting judged on things I've already done, you know. Um, and so they're just pitting what I've done against what other people have done, and it's you know great talking points. And then it's either a total like jubilation if you make it, 
or a total letdown, you feel like you're a failure. You're like, wait, wait, I wasn't good enough yet. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I, I think. That's a fascinating thing because congrats on making the finals, obviously. But there are some old players that I think we know every year because they're in the Hall of Fame conversation. And every year, the conversation turns to, uh, yeah, but he was also didn't do this, this, and this, and this. It's like, well, instead of celebrating these guys, it turns into like almost like you have to pick apart everybody. And I, I, hey. I think you should get in. Let's get in this fucking year so we don't have to deal with this every single year. I think everybody's probably saying that in the Allen. Who's calling? Is that the Hall of Fame calling you right now? No, I wish. Yeah, I get on the podcast. I get on here, and all of a sudden, it's like phone just ringing off the day. You know what it is? Everybody's probably watching your show, and now they're just like, Fuck I call this guy. I can see him on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, they're fucking with you right now. <laughs> that happens a lot. But in your first process of the Hall of Fame finals, uh, what did you – did you hear all the noise that was being talked about you? What did, what parts did you well, hate? So it, it's crazy. Like, it, it's super humbling. It really is, right? Because there's, you're, you're on a list with, like, people – because it is not just my – era right so it's like zach thomas there's just all these guys on there that you know i watched growing up there's all these guys on there that you know you that you admire you their games are amazing right from all these different eras and um so they start comparing you to these people and this and it's like you know you really can't pick or choose you can't be mad if you don't make it. so it's super humbling just to know that what i did stacks up against some of these these uh these guys that i already think are immortal in the football world right um now the, the crappy part is as you do they celebrate you the whole way as if you kind of are in, especially when you get to the finals, it's like, man, they start telling you, you know, what the odds are if you don't make it this year, the following year, because you're a first show finalist, this, that, and the other. And um, and then, you know, luckily with COVID, I didn't have to actually go to the Super Bowl and then be let down. So typically you get a knock on the door, which means you go to the awards ceremony and you're in the Hall of Fame, or you get a phone call and you don't. And I've seen some of the guys that didn't make it when I was at past Super Bowls. And they're like, man, I was sitting in my tuxedo at the door, you know, sitting in the tuxedo at the door, ready to go down to the awards ceremony. Then you get a phone call and they're like, sorry, bro, maybe next year. And you're like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, think it- I mean, I could do without that part, but no, it's cool. And, and they're, they're super respectful. And it, they really do, I think, try to honor all the nominees at each level. But yeah, I mean, there's a sense of, you're getting picked apart for for your career, and that's where everybody goes like, "Oh, how do you feel? How do you do this?" Like, there's nothing I can do. I'm either going to get in one day or I'm not. Um, it'll be one of the greatest honors of my life. But the real reality is, my kids aren't going to love me anymore. My wife isn't going to love me anymore. Um, so that dog's awesome still going to shit. That dog is still going to shit. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I'm still going to after you the gold jacket. I'm still going to have to mow my lawn. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good sign you you made the finals your first year. I think you absolutely should get in. But switching over to what's going on now in, in the NFL, do you still watch a lot? And what do you think of the Vikings and how they're going? Like Zimmer seems you like know, he has been pretty frustrated for two to three years now. Yeah, I'm I'm on the like I watch I catch enough just so I can stay informed for when I got to do you know interviews and stuff. But no, I really don't watch it these days. It's a different game, you know, than when we played. Um, so do you hate football? It, hey, do you hate football? And did the Hall of Fame thing make you bring you back to loving it a little bit more at least or no? Yeah, I didn't watch it at all, right? Like, no, Hall of Fame is great. I love football. Football's phenomenal, like high school football, college football. I just to be honest, I think pro football has gotten so far out of like I shouldn't say at its core, it's great, right? But anytime you put too much money into it, you gotta deal with crap, you gotta deal with politics, you gotta deal with all this stuff. At the core, football's amazing. I just I like to see some more old school guys. Like, so there's still some old school guys that I like to watch. And I think there's some young kids that play that way. Um, 
I think what Brady did last year was it was awesome. Be honest, I wasn't even like a huge Brady fan because it's kind of like you know when you ever do scouting reports on him, you kind of always threw it. Oh, it's Belichick, it's the system. Man, what that dude did was insane, and I became like a fan. I'm like, that was amazing to see, you know, like an old school mentality, run the football, that kind of stuff. I think, you know, this new school era gets a little gimmicky, right? And then you have a specialist at almost every position. Um, so I'm a little more old school, so I like to see that. But yeah, I watch enough to watch. The Vikings are struggling right now, um, you know, so that sucks. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I still keep in contact with a lot of people over there in the in the front office and stuff like that. So. You hear the grumblings and you just shake your head and you kind of laugh because you don't have to deal with it. But uh, it is. Uh, hey, it's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, people, <laughs> I retired when I was 29 years old after making a, a Pro Bowl and I was just a punter. Like, I'm just, a, I'm, that is very low. I was tired of all the bullshit. Like, hey, I'm tired of the, <laughs> just, just all the bullshit that came with it. I was almost jaded yeah. for a little bit and then I fell back in love with being a fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, enough, enough you got to try, you got to try to watch it from a, from a fan standpoint, right? And it is because you know the ins and outs. Dude, and that's what you try to explain to fans, right? Like, you can't blame these guys for the attitude sometimes because there is a business. The NFL will screw you over just as fast as they'll pat you on the back. Um, so it's this, it's this love. Hey, for me, I kind of always knew it was a means to an end, right? So I was going to give it everything I had, and I was going to try to collect all I could from it as well. Right. Um, and with no apologies for it. And, and so I think, you know, unfortunately, I think the mentality back in the day used to be take care of football and the rest will take care of itself. And now you just kind of see that inverse, right? Every now, everybody's social media. Everybody's got a voice. Everybody. Sometimes you wish everybody would just shut the hell up and play football. And but yeah, you know, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday sucks. Sundays were always great, but you know, the getting there. And then you know, coaches always have egos. They always think they're more important than they are. Players think they're more important than they are. Uh, so you know, that, but you see the you see the guys that have success are the coaches that can manage their their players, right? Where both sides feel like they have a vested interest in it. And they go out and win because when, when when one person signing everybody's paycheck, that coach player relationship isn't the same. So, you know, I had coaches that I used to make way more money than them come and try to dog cuss me over some. I'm like, man, shut up. I'll be here way longer than you'll ever be here. You know, you know I mean, that, that's the heart of it. So you get that you get that mentality when things go wrong. You know, so I hope that's not what's going on. With the Vikings. I hope there's no power struggles there where they're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what's going on. But um, they've lost a couple of heartbreakers and. And they need to figure it out because the division isn't going to be any easier. Well, and then it's everybody covering their own ass too. You know, like everybody's doing things yeah, strictly. Like we know what you're doing right now is strictly to cover your own ass. You do not believe this. You do not want this. You're just doing this. So if something happens, oh. you can say that you said it. It's like, that's when all the things just start. I think a lot of guys start to feel that way though, Jared. Like I think a lot of guys. Oh, I, I, more guys will say, and like we all felt it when we played, we just never voiced it because you're, you're the team guy. Right. You had to try to say the right things in the media. You had to try to say, I mean, I always tried to be honest uh, about where I stood and how I felt. And I think, you know, people appreciated that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the downside of professional football, right? That's when you have money involved, when it's a job, uh, you're going to have this back and forth. You're going to have the BS that everybody has to deal with going to work. And I think that's where fans, you know, get kind of loose. And as a, as a, you know, as, as a you're a millionaire, shut up. You're a millionaire. Yeah, like, well, you know, yeah, everybody makes good money. But still, it's it's still a pain in the butt to go to work some days, and uh, and especially when you're losing. You know, it's like they try to tell you to put on full pads and go do nine on seven when you're you know zero oh and ten. You're like, come on, this is not changing anything. Right now. <laughs> Hey, Jared, do you think it's going to get better or worse, though? Because now these college kids with the name, image, and likeness that we hear guys are making a million dollars in college. Like now, what is that guy like when he gets to the NFL? 
it's dude it's, i think it's going to breed bad ball honestly uh, i'm all for people making as much money as they can and if, and if universities are going to use these kids likenesses to uh to make money off them sell jerseys they should get a cut of it but you you know i, I remember uh my agent one time said he was meeting with it with a guy this was years ago kind of when social media first came out and the kids came in and was like basically if you give me x like this other agent you know i'll sign with you and my agent was like am i giving you what do you think like, first of all it's illegal i'm not giving you anything you know and you haven't pissed a drop in the league yet and he's like yeah but i got like five hundred thousand followers on instagram or something and he's like, he just shook his head he's like i can't i can't deal with young kids anymore you know so he's like i'm only going to represent uh vets but that's that's this mindset of you know people people are too you know for us think about when we got drafted right you want to come in the nfl make a name for yourself make some money and that was all there were stepping stones to that and i think it's kind of reversed now like you said these kids are coming in making millions of dollars coming like some of them are going to take a pay cut league minimum will be a pay cut for some of these kids and uh so how is that going to breed hunger how is that going to breed so hopefully you got a lot of self-motive people that just want to be great and you don't see a dip in the quality of play um and then you know with that turn now you're going to have a different type of athlete so i think you look at coaches like zim some of these more old school coaches that that's not going to translate you you're going to have you see what they're doing in arizona you see what they're doing out in um you know la where they got these younger coaches that can vibe with these players better because that old school, you know, bang your head against the wall, you know, you're not going to get praised for doing things right. You're expected to do things right. I think that's going to go by the wayside. So, I think I think we all are on the same page. Like, hey, go get your money. I want everybody yeah. to get money. I want everybody to be a billionaire. But I think whenever some things are given to some people at an age and maybe they're not mature enough to fully believe it, you could see how they maybe stop dealing in, in – not dealing, but stop buying all the way into the team and more so like, oh, this is profiting me, my family, everything I got going on. You can see how that could potentially stray away from what it used to be when I'm just trying to survive this workout with my teammates. That's what college football used to be. I'm, I'm just trying not to die right now with them. Yeah. And then hopefully whenever we play, we're good. Now it's a whole new world. Everything's going to have to evolve, obviously. And hopefully we'll be able to watch that whole thing. When you look back on your career, Jared, uh, your favorite play you ever had and why was it Dan Orlovsky? <laughs> it was wasn't so it that, yeah. that play was awesome just for a couple of reasons because i think i think that year kevin uh williams was already up on me with, in the sack race in our own room right i think he and he might have had like four of that game or, or or something like that he was he was already killing it and so to come off and uh get a freebie and be a safety <laughs> and watching and to watch another grown man run from somebody out of bounds and then pretend like he didn't know about it right dan we talked about this Love you. You're great, dude. But you knew. You knew you were out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> he, kept, he kept running like he was still going to throw the ball. You know. Um, no, I think I was. I was just laughing, and uh, that was that was funny. But honestly, one of my favorite plays of all time was my very first offensive touchdown. It was against San Diego. Uh, I think it was my fourth year in the league, and uh, we've been practicing. Her coming, and because we had Tony Gonzalez, Jason Dunn, and uh, Chris Wilson all at tight end. Chris was a second round pick with, in, in our class. You know, obviously, Tony Gonzalez, Hall of Famer, Jason Dunn was a beast. So all these dudes were so pissed that I got the call to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I, but I told him, I was like, hey, I'll tell you what. If I score, I'm going to do every single one of your guys' celebrations. Oh, that's nice so, of you. That's yeah, very nice so, of you. <laughs> so I did it all. Tony dunks the ball, so I dunked the ball. You know, JD used to pick up Larry Johnson um, as he got as he scored a touchdown. And he did whatever the diamond 
cutter thing was, or he was with Rock Nation or something like that at the time. Yeah. So, uh, so I honored them by doing all of them, and then they all got a kick out of it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, what was it? What was it like when uh, when Brett Favre came to your team? Like when you heard he was going to be there, and then when he was in the building, what was it like? How what, how did he add to your team? Dude, honestly, like I never thought I could fanboy and fangirl out over somebody. Oh, like, like AJ, like AJ with Rob. Yeah, like AJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, so you and did do it. I still didn't do it as hard as AJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I and I know Rob. Rob's a great dude. Um, but man, that was aggressive. And uh, no, you know what I you know what I realized how special he was. Like, so he came into our he came into the facility. Children picked him up at the airport and they're driving in, and we're all up in the cafeteria. And you had all these grown men's faces plastered against the window, right? And uh, yeah, I'm looking down the line, and it's all pros, pro bowlers, like dudes, vets that have been in the league that have you know had clout to their name. Everybody just gawking as this dude came in. And then you got to see why he was great. You know, his work ethic was second to none. He brought a different energy level to practice. Um, he's one of those guys that raised – he made he made really good players raise their own expectations, you know. And uh, I think that's – like, he's one of those generational players. Like, there's, there's great players and then there's generational players. And he's one of those guys that comes along, you know, every so often that literally makes even really good players – Try to step their game up, and then you see—you just saw it in the hustle. You saw it in the practice. You saw it in the passion he played with, and it was infectious. Um, and so, you know, that that '09 season was was fun. It was a different—it uh, was a different level. We, you know, and for me, you know, I'd had some good core. I had Trent Green in um, in uh, Kansas City, but you know, Minnesota, we never had a true franchise quarterback. And then when Brett came in, you just you saw with that franchise quarterback what, how that can elevate you as a team, and then you play with a confidence. And just like winning or losing can be contagious, winning is contagious. I mean, we won some games we shouldn't have just just because we believed we could win and you know, we had a guy at the helm and you play loose, you play free. So it was a cool deal. It's something I'm glad I got to experience. Teams learning how to win is a big deal. I think you're seeing it with some of the teams in the NFL right now. It's like you those close games that are going to go either way. For some reason, some teams always have it go their way. Like, why is that? You know, you have to ask that question. And what is it about that place that they're winning? And more often than not, it's just a belief like, hey, we are going to win this game. Where the other team potentially thinks like, ah, are we? Are we not going to? It's fascinating that Brett Favre and his copper fit brought that mentality over to Minnesota. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, my last question before the boys have some for you. And we're, we're talking to Jared Allen, who's up for the Hall of Fame. Second year now he's been up for the Hall of Fame. Last year was a finalist. Let's hope he gets through so yeah. we don't have to hear people dissect this man's career i can't wait to hear your fucking speech too by the way that's gonna be awesome um you were a guy that celebrated obviously i mean when i introduced you i talked about it very i I forgot that you scored touchdowns while you're talking while you're telling that story i like like oh my god yeah and then you're dunking on how do you feel about this taunting penalty uh, penalty it's always been a penalty okay the point of emphasis though for all of us that have been in the nfl is what my big problem was like hey let's not make it a point of emphasis because now you're just asking the refs to be ridiculous with it how how do you feel about it all and what is your kind of take on it? I think taunting should be perfectly legal. I think you should be able to throat punch people. I think, <laughs> I think you should be able to hands to the face. Um, it is, I mean, I, that's the one I, I actually hate the most is the, is the light, the hands to the face when you're pass rushing. Now it's a penalty if an offensive an lineman hits you in the face or you hit them in the face. Like, you have a face mask on. Like, that's ridiculous. But taunting, I'm all for it, man. I mean, it's, there's a mental, there's a mental warfare to football as well, right? And there's a, if you if you can take another man and get him focused on on you personally and away from his job, you win that battle and you win that edge. Um, so I haven't really read the rule. I, I know I heard Tom Brady say that. Just kind of caught it in the uh, the clips of my newsfeed. 
but no, I do. If you light someone up, you should be able to stand over them and dance. Like I don't. That doesn't bother me. It is. It is what it is. Because if they could do it, they would do it to you too. Um, I've been blindsided with guys laughing and pointing, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've taunted my fair share of people and pissed a bunch of people off as well. So I think it's fun. I think it's part of the game. I think, like, I'm all for sportsmanship. I don't think cheap shots have a place in the game. I think, you know, th- but there's an unwritten code that guys will look out for each other because you never know when you're going to be on a team with another guy. But at the same time, in the spirit of the game, in the spirit of the authenticity of what football is about and the loyalty of that fan base, like, if I light somebody up, I am going to let you know about it every single play because I'm going to try to do it again. Because, again, if I can get in your head, I can get you off your game, I'm going to be more successful. My team's going to be more successful. So I think they should allow taunting. I think it's great. I think it beats or builds for storylines on the media. You know, it's like it's like when you when you watch like a fight or a boxing match or a UFC, I'm a UFC fan, right? And these guys talk so much trash about how they're going to kill each other. They hate each other, this, that, and the other. Then they hug after the fight. No, I want to see... McGregor could be brawl after the play. Like, that's <laughs> you know what I mean? Kayfabe, like, dude. Kayfabe. Keep that thing yeah, going. Yeah. I don't want salesmanship. I want if you really don't like somebody, let that disdain be known and let it play out. <laughs> well, and that's like you were an emotion. I don't want to say emotional, but like you were an yeah. energy guy. Like emotion is a part of the sport, and I understand Absolutely. that some people have been able to accomplish great things in the NFL by being robots. Like, okay, I get it that there are people that are like that, but the mo- majority of people that I know are very emotional humans and they have to get into it so if somebody's natural reaction is to tell somebody fuck you even if that's not a normal reaction they want to do it i just don't think we should be taking any emotion out of the game and i don't think we should have these refs deciding what's good and what's bad these these refs have no idea what the fuck anything is to begin with and that's the thing is like words are words right like if punches are thrown there's already rules in place for that but if i can tice you so you take like a des bryant like it used to be in our game plan when he was young you knew that dude was good for a 15-yard penalty so I would, we would needle, we would needle, we would needle. Sure enough, you tell our DBs, like, you know, in his ear the whole time, press, man, cover. Irritate that man because he's going to push you in the face. He's going to punch you, you know what I mean? Or he's going to take his helmet off. He's going to do something <laughs> because he's emotional, right? So that that becomes part of the game. But so if you take that gamesmanship out, you know, now that works against you too because guys that are emotional can go off. I'll never forget Steve Smith. We were playing Carolina. Uh, I think it might, it might have been, goodness, 2011. Uh, I don't even know what day. It doesn't really matter. 10. I think it was 10. And uh, we were up there. We were beating them. Benny Sapp started running his mouth to Steve Smith. Steve Smith was having a terrible game. He was checked out. <laughs> he woke up, and he came back to the house. He goes, blame it on 22, Jay. Blame it on 22. He's like, I was checked out. That dude pissed me off. And that dude went off for like three touchdowns. <laughs> ended, up, ended up beating us. We lost the game. And I was like, Benny, like that's what it was. I was like, Benny, just shut up. Like, we're talking to him. Yeah, you can't talk so, to everybody. You can't talk to everybody. There's some so people you don't. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's where it backfires. And it's like, so, but I like that part of the game. Like, that's what makes the game fun. That's what makes that mental mindset is, uh, so I, if they're going to take the, like you said, take emotion out, like, eventually you're just, it's not like, it's not corporate America. It's not suit and ties. I know they want people to wear suit and ties on the road games, which always baffled me. We're not businessmen. We're athletes. Right? Me too, by the way. Put on, yeah. put on a, a jumpsuit. Let's go to work. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I just, eventually you're going to, you're just going to, you're going to rule, you're going to have too many rules in place. And you're going to take the fun. You're going to take that, that passion out. I don't know. That's Jay, just my personal opinion. Hey, it's a great opinion. I think we share it with you. And Dana White said, uh, this isn't fucking IBM. That's literally, <laughs> yeah. that's what Dana White said whenever, you know, he said it's like a conflict business, but the NFL as well, like there's going to be some humans that maybe aren't 
the perfect corporate humans that put a helmet on and run 20 miles an hour at people and try to run their head into each other. They might have some shit to them. There might be some shit to them, and we should be embracing that. That's what the NFL is, you know? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a combat sport. Exactly what I said. It's a full contact sport. Um, If you don't like it, they have flag football leagues, and you can can do that. Go ahead, Tom. yeah, I'm with you, Jared. We're on your side. Go ahead, Ty. Jared, when you look at guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and, and these guys who are just insanely fast and move around a bunch, like you didn't have to deal with that as much when you were in the league, but like how how do you go into a game? Like how how much does that change what you're trying to do? So first of all, love the bullhorns in the back. Notice hell that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, that's yeah. Texas Longhorn dying there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That thing's only about 40 inches tip to tip, but we got a couple hundred inches around here. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we, uh, so, no, I uh, I had I had a rule, right? Jeez. I had a rule. When, uh, I know. I'm just a popular man. <laughs> so I had a rule. I was not going to look like a fool, right? So I had to deal with Michael Vick, and we just did enough scouting reports on Michael Vick to kind of know what his favorite jukes were. But I literally like would just run to the sideline. Every time he would take off rolling, I'd just run to the sideline and, and did not fall for juke. So I have a rule if I play highly athletic guys, I just shoot my gun. I'm gonna I'll be right fifty percent of the time I'll be wrong, but I'm not gonna break down, have my knees buckle and just made look like a fool on TV. So if I had to play those guys, I'm coming around the edge, I'm just diving at them. That's all there is to it. I'm gonna pick a direction. I'm gonna. I'm, that's where I'm going. And I'm gonna hey, that could get ugly. That could get ugly with. I, I know your strengths and weaknesses. Listen, if I break down and and you know, I'm not doing that. Like he I, makes I, a drastic I, cut though. Jared, <laughs> that's actually sound defensive football though. All you gotta do is make him make a drastic cut, and the rest of your team yeah. coming inside out. Listen, yeah. If I'm coming on, if, if I'm coming up the middle. I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna dive to his throwing hand side since most guys like to naturally roll out to the right. If I'm on the backside, I'm gonna try to dive, you know, to the upfield shoulder so he doesn't spin out behind me and chase him into uh, my tackles. But uh, yeah, if I'm in the open field, I'm just <laughs> I'm just jumping. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cross body him. You know? <laughs> I got uh, I had Antonio Brown one time. 53 and a third wide right in the middle of the field with 10 of my family members watching in Pittsburgh. I accidentally, because every time I made a tackle, it was on the sideline. So I'm just like, I'm basically just pressing somebody to the sideline. I'm using the, the sideline as a part. I had Antonio Brown with 53 and a third, and I tried just to one of these. Oh, my God. I've never felt like a worse athlete in my – I didn't even fucking touch him. I you fell in – you look, you look ridiculous. You're like, I should have just picked the side and dope. Like, I should have just I went for yeah, Just run hard, yep. Well, see, I, had, see I, I, I came in long snapping, too, and I used to have to cover on the scout team my rookie year against uh, Dante Hall. Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> they called this dude the X Factor, and you want me at 270 pounds – to go down there and try to break down and tackle this guy? No, I'm just I'm just gonna pick a side. And if he because if he cuts into me, it's lights out for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Uh, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Jared, you mentioned Steve Smith is one of the guys who would get, you know, shit talk to him and then just come alive. Were there any linemen that you went up against that, you know, you would try and go back and forth, get in their head a little, and then they would just be lights out for the rest of the game? No, so for me, it was the opposite. If I if you wouldn't talk to me, that was a problem. So guys like Walter, like Walter uh, Jones, didn't say a word, right? The dude, I mean, I, I don't think I only got to play him uh, a couple times in preseason, but one time in regular season, doesn't didn't talk, right? Uh, when I used to play for the Chiefs, I played like Brian McKinney, wouldn't say a word. Uh, but there was offensive linemen out there that don't speak, 
and those are the worst because then it's boring. They're just they're just sitting there. You're like, come on, give me something over here. Um, so I always love playing guys like Donald Penn, like you know, because obviously him and I would go back and forth. Uh, you know, anybody I could get John with me. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> Jared, is that David Baker calling you all these times? All right, you're in. All right, he's out. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a great interview, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> Joining us now is somebody that is must-watch, basically, every single time. Who yeah. knows what the fuck's going to come out of his mouth today? Can't wait to hear it. Breaking down all things happening in the college football world, coaching world, and the world in general. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Jason Brown. Yeah! 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 What was that? How many? 15, dog. All right, you owe me five. You owe me five still. You owe me five still. We'll get that at some point. We'll get that. I, I, I owe you 20? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there was a lot of people. Uh, there was a lot. I mean, there was only like seven people actually really offended, but they were really offended. You know what I mean? Hey, don't do the crime. You can't do the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's 835 in the morning over there. I appreciate you waking up with us and doing some push-ups here, Coach JB. How's the week been, pal? Oh, man, busy, busy. You know how it is. Another day, another dollar. What happened to Christian McCaffrey last night, Coach? Oh, he fucked me. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I don't know what happened, man. Hopefully he didn't tear it off the bone. Obviously, he walked in the locker room, so he probably just slightly tore it. I don't know. He would have came back, in my opinion. Knowing his old man, his family, he would have came back and played, in my opinion. I think he's a little old school. I think so too, by the way. It almost to a uh, almost bad, right? And I want to ask you about this with like Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is old school, right? No play left behind. And we had talked about Christian McCaffrey and Carson Wentz being like, hey, these two guys, the, every single play, they go to death almost. Literally, in Carson Wentz sprained two sprains. Carson Wentz sprained both of his ankles. And now Christian McCaffrey, I'm not saying this is why, but there's a couple guys out there that are old school, it seems like. And it's almost to a detriment at some points, you know? Wait, you think Carson Wentz is old school? Bro, have you seen him play football? He tries to die on every single play. Have you seen this really? guy? I, I don't see it that way, but I know, <laughs> your, I know he was on the show, so I don't want to. <laughs> no, no, what are your thoughts? You don't like I think, I think he's the second most overrated quarterback in the oh, NFL. Tell him, coach. Tell him. Why? Man, you guys are car – is he just because he's an indie now? Like, yes. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Just give your fucking answer. All right, will you please <laughs> just say you don't need – why do you think he's overrated? I think he's a bust. Oh. I think he had I think he had a, a good year with a good team in Philly, and ever since then, he's underachieved. I think they hyped him up too fast, and that's the product of the world we live in. We want to make sure we judge everybody before their resumes are fucking written. That's the problem nowadays. Everybody's the best coach in the world year one. Everybody's the best player in the world year one. Like, Justin Fields needs to start. He's the best ever. Motherfucker, he hasn't even played a game yet. <laughs> like, you know, last year, Burrow's the best ever I've ever seen as a rookie. Fucking blows his knee out. Like, let the dudes make their fucking resume and let them complete it first. At least let them get about four or five years on a resume. Like, I'm on the other side of the whole Mahomes thing. Like, today, Stephen A., I still take Mahomes number one. I take Brady number one. You, you lost <laughs> twice in the playoffs. They're both two Tom fucking Brady. Yeah. The last time I checked, it's results-oriented. We either win or we lose. There ain't no... 
There ain't no because I throw underhanded on to going to my left. Right. <laughs> you lost the Super Bowl. Okay, all right, listen, I understand it is a win-loss <laughs> business. And Chuck Pagano actually said that a couple days ago, by the way. He said football is if you succeed, they'll keep you around. If you don't, you will leave. And for whatever reason, there's always a lot of situations that kind of can brew there. But Patrick Mahomes is on his way to chasing Tom Brady, which is why I think everybody talks about that. Aaron Rodgers is another guy that's up there as like a Mount Rushmore guy who hasn't had enough wins yet for everybody to put him up there. So I think as these resumes are being created, it's fun to chit-chat about him, but you're right. I think there's too many burials and too many crownings that happen. Yeah, no doubt. Like, to me, I put Aaron Rodgers above Mahomes. No question about it. People put Mahomes above Aaron Rodgers right now, and I'm like, first of all, Aaron has earned the right. He's been in the league longer, even though they both share one title, right? So, in my opinion, Aaron has accomplished more and he has done more, even though they both have one ring. So my, my when Mahomes gets second and third ring, then you can start arguing, okay, he, he takes over for Aaron. But he's been in the league three years. Like, let's give this dude some time to really show that he is that guy. Because there's been a lot of fashion-pants guys in our league. So Yeah, yeah I agree yeah. completely in the... Literally, the first round is filled with them for quarterbacks. I, I like the first round quarterbacks are littered with, and I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes isn't, but in every right. Patrick Mahomes is going to be great. Let's not get crazy. But I think no what, what no you're doubt. saying is what a lot of people who are in the game think, which is like Justin Tucker, for instance, is unbelievable at kicking. Unbelievable at kicking. And yeah. even Justin Tucker would say this Adam Vinatieri did it for like 25 years. Like, so for, to catch up to that, he's, I think Justin Tucker even knows, like, okay, I'm going to have to at least go for like, 15 at a high level because to do it for 20 plus years it's insane that's the difference though between media because if you judge like adam vinatieri at the end of his career with justin tucker is in the middle of the prime of his career it's like yep yeah, justin tucker is fucking the dude and he might hit the cleanest ball of all time but let's see him do it for 20 years which is what everybody says i couldn't do it for like leckler length or andy lee length i don't want to do it i couldn't do it mentally which is another skill that the greats have is being able to stick to it to almost you know what i mean uh, jb no, you know, we, that's the problem. We live in the now, I believe. Like, everybody, what have you done for me now? That's just the life we live in. And, like, people that don't know what happened yesterday only know what happens today, and then they fucking forget what happens tomorrow because they live into now. And, like, to, to me, like, you're watching – you don't understand what Vinatieri did for all those years. Same with Mahomes. Mahomes has to surpass seven rings. Do we understand that? If you really want to title him the best ever at the end of this day – and he probably has to beat a 44-year-old fucking Brady. Yeah. And, who he hasn't beat yet. And I so think, like, yeah, I think he knows that too, though. Oriented. Coach, he knows that too, though. I think Patrick Mahomes, I think the guys know this, though. Like, Patrick Mahomes know this, knows this. I think Tucker knows that. Like, I think everybody in the league knows that. It's always the noise around it. And I think that's why you don't see a lot of the guys, like, empower those things. I just, personally, let's move on to some college talk, can we, though, Coach? Yes, sir. All right, listen. I know I fucked up. I you got you only you only you miss every shot you don't take, man. You, I, I had to take somebody. Fuck, I, I might as well take the team that's in your fucking hometown for right now. <laughs> hey, that's a smart idea. That's a good pander. All right, I think we got a lot of Hoosiers that listen, but we also got a lot of people in Cincinnati. Yeah. A lot of Cincinnati oh, listeners, and uh, yeah, that came out of nowhere too. You were like, "Hey, how about this? I got a." Uh, I got an upset of the week. Uh -huh. And then as soon as you bring it up, it's like, okay, here we go. We write it down. And everybody um, gets receipts. You know what I mean? Everybody has uh, receipts yeah. now. Well, do you have anything for this weekend? You know what? I'm going uh, <laughs> to go with the coverage, though, all right? Because I don't want to be 
I don't want to take fucking. I don't want to hear from fucking Barstool and everybody's fucking mama about how <laughs> you, shitty I did. So you see, Barstool um, was attacking. Yeah. Oh, really? so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, by the way, Coach Allen's a real good friend of mine. He, he sent me a player. I sent him a player back. He's got a D tackle of ours at Indiana. Um, they fucking dominated Cincinnati, <laughs> just so we're clear, the whole game. They left 28 points in the fucking red zone. The game should not have been close for all you fucking fans out there that know everything. But anyway, Cincinnati won fair and square. You got to suck, you know, put your, take your foot out your mouth. So that's what I did. So Way to go. I got uh, West Virginia covering 17 against Oklahoma. Okay. How about 14? You like them with 14? If they were to be getting 14, would you like that or no? Yeah, I don't think Oklahoma's very good. I'm going to be honest. I think they're overrated every year. I think they're fucking overrated again. And I don't think the quarterback's as good as everybody th- thinks he is. And I think West Virginia's got that back mountain, backwood fucking grind. Yeah. And they're going to come out, and I think it'll be closer than you are. Now, you know, when I pick a game, fuck Oklahoma win by 50. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I got I got A&M Arkansas. I got uh, I got that game to be a closer one than that, too. I think it's a field goal game. It's a five and a half spread by A&M's minus five and a half. I think it's a three point game. Okay. Uh, hey, this is good analysis, got, Coach JB. This is good I got analysis. Wisconsin blowing out Notre Dame. Oh. Wow. <laughs> this is the one. So this yeah. is the Indiana. Yeah, this is okay. Got it. I see what you just uh, did there. Yeah. All right. Perfect. You know what? To be honest, I don't know if Clemson covers 10. Hey. The way that they're playing right now, it's it just it's a good friend of mine, Mark Jones, is calling that game. ESPN's Mark Jones, good friend of mine. Uh, his son performed at my party here. Hey, Mark is uh, kind of on the same same wavelength. He just you know he interviewed DJ the other day. Good friend of mine, son, quarterback at, uh, at Clemson. You know, uh, I think he just he's really a true rookie, really playing. Even though he ripped up Notre Dame in that one game last year. I think he's really starting to understand this is a lot of pressure on me as a true starter. I don't have to I don't have long, I don't have sunshine behind me to come in and take over, you know what I mean? Hey, DJ so. Ui Ungalele, uh Ooh, so obviously yep. getting out there. I feel real good that I know his name, I think. Hey, that's some shit. You know what? You know I what do. saying that name just now? You know what that is the definition of? An athlete. You're a definition of an athlete. Does, does any can anyone define an athlete? Because people realize people think that you play one sport or something like that. You're an athlete. It's not the tr- case. You can be good at something after you fucking perfect it after what ten thousand hours. But look at fucking Conor McGregor's throw to home base the other day. <laughs> He's not a fucking athlete. Let's just be honest. Make sure you understand. He can catch you with a right hook and knock you out, but he's not an athlete. See, Pat's an athlete for America out there listening. Pat can, I've seen Pat because I know because I'm the other white athlete in America. <laughs> so, just so we're clear, he's got a jumper. He has a nice golf stroke. Thank you. By the way, they used to call me Weiger Woods. So, <laughs> I, I can stroke a club. I can stroke a jumper. They call me Jimmy Crack Corn because I can shoot threes too, motherfucker. Uh, okay. I played for a bunch of NBA players. Okay. Uh, you know, I can throw a football. You can do all those things. I can even punt and kick. But I, but everyone's better at their at their specific right uh, trade. So. Pat was a great kicker, punter, and he was an athlete. If you watch Pat, he tackled motherfuckers. He didn't Thank care. You. So, but if you watch him do his other things, that's an athlete. Conor McGregor looked like he was stiff as a porn dick <laughs> out there. Bro, he's, he and literally he, had surgery like three weeks ago. The guy. Hey, what's that doing? His fucking arm. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I mean, don't move your hips in and just throw the fucker over home plate if you're an athlete. He looks so fucking sick. And why don't you take off those skinny fucking jeans? Right. I mean, he's, or the suit. He's, he's, he's the suit. The suit is his fashion. He's a, he's a fashion hey, god, dude. Yeah, he made $180 million last year more than any other athlete. So what the fuck? Who am I to say any fucking thing? He could throw a ball into the fucking stadium for all I care. He did. He actually did. That was the thing. A lot. Of, he put a lot of venom on it. You know. <laughs> I am a big Conor McGregor fan, but I do believe, like, uh, I don't know if me saying Uyunglele makes me an athlete, but I do think like the throw and catch thing should be accounted for whenever Can people you play are pool. If you had to go play pool, could you at least not embarrass yourself at a pool table? Yeah, yeah. I've run some. Yeah, run some pool halls. All right. Yeah. How about bowling? Can you go bowl a ball? What I did, 170 yeah, or something. Like 189. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bowled two, hey, Pat, I bowled, I bowled two 300 games, brother. No! Hey, did you live in the lanes? You you grew up in the lanes? No, my dad was really, really good, man. He grew. He, he was really, really good. He had, like, I got two of his pins he bowled 300 games in. In the Compton fucking bowling alley, which no longer exists because there is nothing entertainment-wise in Compton. So... There was a bowling alley years ago, and it, they condemned it. But, yeah, he bowled two 300 games, and I learned from him. But I was just a natural at it, man. It's like that it factor thing, you know? You either, <laughs> you either fucking, hey, you win and, or you lose, man. I mean, I don't know. Shit. All right, all right, let's go back. Okay. Uh, that's great to hear, by the way. I would like to sit at it. This is what we'll do. We'll have to do this. We'll go to a bowling alley, and we will just rent out a couple lanes for the entire day. And we will just stream and see if this motherfucker can get a 300 in one yep. foot. When was yeah. the last time you did that? Are you anywhere near 300 time or no? Uh, I haven't bowled in fucking 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't golf a lot either. And I golfed not too long ago and I was still decent. So I don't know. All right. I bet you'll figure it out. We'll give you a good eight hours straight. Imagine us seven hours into that. I can't wait. Imagine how mad he would be. He would be so yeah, mad. That'd be awesome. Oh, it'd be great. Pete I'd, I'd tear my hamstring like McCaffrey real shit. <laughs> You'd be my captain, though. Can't fucking have it. You know, that's like, no yeah, yeah no basically doubt. you screaming at Christian last night. Uh, before the boys have some questions for you. And I know we're going to talk about the transfer portal and some things that you were going off on on the internet. I would like to ask you, though, of DJ Uyunglele's coach, Dabo Sweeney, sprinting out there uh, in Death Valley there running. What are your thoughts on that? Do you like Dabo? A lot of people judging Dabo for this, obviously. Yeah. I was impressed at the speed he was able to reach for the sustained distance he had. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? I was impressed that he had, you know, 32-inch slim khakis on and did it. <laughs> Because that's that's the hard part about everything. People don't look. People look through all that other. Like you say, Pat, they don't hear the message. They just hear the tone. And I look right through all that shit. He had some fucking skinny ass khakis on and did that shit without tearing his ass out, which was more impressive to me. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big hoorah guy like that before a game. I'd rather be private with my guys when I hoorah them. I'd rather be the guy that walks out or walks out in front or whatever. Um, but each his own. You know, Dabo's been that guy for a long time. I got a player from him years ago when he was a receiver coach at Clemson. And, uh, and you know, he's always been that guy. So that's his energy. That's his deal. And I have no issue, man. I mean, that's what he does to get those guys right. If they buy in, though, Pat. If they don't buy in, he's he looks like a fucking buffoon. Well, that's every coach, I think. And after no watching what happened to Christian last night, I watched that Dabo thing, and I literally was like, oh, he's going to blow out his fucking hamstring. This yeah. is going to no, be yeah. – because uh, I don't – do you recall, I mean, you haven't bowled in 10 years. Do you recall the last time you've actually, like, strided out? I couldn't even tell you. I'd be scared to death if I was to go stride out right now, I think. Pat, 
I'm fucking still breathing hard from the 10 push-ups. 15. <laughs> you did 15. So you owe me 10. I knew you were fucking lying 15, to me earlier. No, no, yeah. I don't lie. I, I was I was doing them for a while and I was like, holy fuck, I'm gonna blow my peck out. <laughs> and I didn't know if the camera was on me yet. So I stopped. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so you see that the pause push up. Yeah. All right, you have five. All right, Ty, go ahead. Coach JB, I don't know if you've seen all the stuff with Arch Manning. Like, you know, he went to Georgia and the student section had his name painted on there. He's the only guy Lane Kiffin follows on Instagram. Can you remember a recruit that had this much hype? going into college and ultimately like how do you get this guy how would you get this guy now is that peyton's brother uh no nephew 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 sorry nephew um yeah i, I saw the whole lane thing you know lane's a guy that loves that shit too he's, he's doing that on purpose too so uh that's a great ploy by him honestly um but you know um i love lane man he's doing a great job oh miss is fucking pretty good um I don't know. You know, you got to be different in, as how you approach that kid. I mean, if you want to get him, you know, Ole Miss, you got one tie there. You got the other tie at Tennessee, obviously, and then you got your pops there, but or the Archie, the dad. So I don't know. It's just going to be a tough deal, man. You got to really uh, win over whoever's making the shot. Who's calling the shot? Is it? Is it? Is it? What brother is it? Or what? What uncle is it? And and then what? Uh, you know, who's really making the uh, final decision? Is it him himself? Because I'll be talking. Be honest with you. A lot of these coaches don't get it. Mostly the kid's not the one shot calling the shot, just so we're clear. Even though it's unfortunate, that's the reason we see so much transfer uh, portal rate um, so high. But it's usually somebody in his camp that has no fucking clue about anything. And it's the one that's pushing the narrative or pushing him to that place. And that's the unfortunate part. And so I don't know who's going to be calling that, but I sure Lane knows and gets an idea of how it is. But I don't know. It's touchy, man. Like, you know you know it's a you got a hell of a fucking family tree there i mean it's tough wherever you go i don't think anyone's going to be mad at him. yeah and the issue is does he want to build his own legacy like does lane kiffin have any chance there you know because mm-hmm. eli has already gone there a lot of, he, he looks sick in the texas uniforms oh, yeah. and like texas trying to get in the sec i wonder and this is going to sound crazy but i wonder you know if archie had any conversations with anybody who's like you boys get down to the SEC, maybe you have a shot at old Arch. You know what I mean? You boys get in the SEC. We ain't going no Big 12. Uh-huh. It is different down here in the SEC. That, that the whole thing would be fascinating to see a 30 for 30 on that. But how do you feel about like having to win over 17-year-olds and 16-year-olds? I mean, that is why I can never be a college football coach. I don't care enough. Like, hey, you want to come here? No, okay, I don't go somewhere else. You have to really be invested. Like, that's a full-time job, right? Oh yeah, that's why NFL coaches. When I when I hear all these media people in the in the Stephen A. says Josh McDaniel should be the new head coach at UCLA. No, he fucking shouldn't. He's never coached in college. He was a GA for fucking one year. Like they have no no clue how to recruit. They have no clue what it really takes to go into a home, especially in that particular demographic. Whether you're in USC and got to understand South Central LA kids. And you're from fucking to, to, uh, Mississippi and you have no shot or whether you're at UW in Seattle or whether you're at West Virginia, you know, you got to understand the demographic, but you have to understand what makes kids tick nowadays. In the NFL, you have no fucking clue. You don't give a shit like you just said, Pat. Nobody cares. You're not invested in that. That's not your blood life. College, you control your talent level. That is our blood life. If you're not a good recruiter, in my estimation, you're not going to win ever. So. Um, 
17, 16, 17, 18 year olds nowadays. You, you now you're recruiting 22 and three year olds out of the portal though. So it is totally different. Um, now you're recruiting grown men who really can give a shit less about at that point uniforms, facilities. They don't care about that. They were already at Alabama, Penn State, Georgia. Now they're coming to fucking US UCF. Like they don't care about that. So what are you selling them on there? So you got to be different and turn over rocks and figure out what makes them tick. Who's making the call? Uh, 99% of my players, Pat, I swear to God, I never talked to them. I talked to the parent. I, I talked to the mom, the girlfriend, whoever it was making the decision. And then I was getting letters of, of, of intent signed before I even really had a conversation with the kid. Hell yeah. Oh, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Coach, you just mentioned the transfer portal, and we all know that you're a massive fan of it. How happy are you for Charlie Brewer <laughs> that he is now leaving Utah for a new fresh start? Man, you know, I'm an acronym based guy and I, I, I wanted to say see you next Tuesday, but I didn't want to <laughs> say it. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. You know, people and the, the, the fucking what makes me stutter right now is that the shocking part of it is, Pat, I was stuttering for a second. I was so pissed. I but saw you a little caught the up. The shocking there. part is that he was oh, coach. He was at Baylor already. He balled out. He had a horrible old line at Utah. He deserves to leave. I'm like, hold the fuck on. So now we're an individual sport. Now we don't give a fuck about our team after we chose to go there and know exactly what we were getting ourselves into. So wait up. That's the fucking thing. You're, you're going to fucking defend that shit. I'm like, so now he can leave because his teammates aren't very good. Like, wow. So now we're just so pussy that it blows my mind. Like, I'm just like, holy shit, man. Coach, I think, uh, the, coach, I think the thing about it is he might have saw no chance to play again there, and that's why he was getting out. But it does appear like this first sign of trouble almost, you bail. And that's kind of what everybody's been saying about the transfer portal is instead of having to battle or compete for anything, you're just automatically leaving. I think the transfer portal is good for some situations. In this one, though, a lot of people are upset. We'll see you in six minutes on hour two of SiriusXM. Okay, so we just went to a break there on SiriusXM an hour from now because we're not actually live yet. Ooh, there was a lot going oh, on. Yeah. Hey, that boy Zito. Good work, Zito. Work. There, Zito. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, thank you. Um, you guys are early today, huh? Yeah, because I got to fly to Philly. That's what I figured, yeah. Yeah, I got to fly over to Philly. And uh, I mean, I've, I haven't been to Philadelphia in years and years and years, but it should be electric over there. Those fucking humans in Philadelphia are insane. Man, I played arena football there, bro. And now, we were there with Bon Jovi's team. Hell yeah. The soul. The soul. Um, Ron Jaworski was president of at the time. Man, there was rats walking across the telephone lines like this. Uh -huh. That's and the, tell, the tells were like that thing. And I was like, and I remember Charles Barkley stories. And I was like, whatever. Man, that shit is a real thing. Them motherfuckers are dogs. <laughs> they are. They I'm are. just like, holy shit. There are dogs. You know the funny thing about the Brewer thing? You know his other brother transferred twice, too. He was at Virginia Tech, I think, and was at somewhere else before. Like, it's just becoming a, uh, you know, the NCAA, non-caring assholes of America, is the ones that started this because they allow it. Like, how do you allow a kid to leave week three? So you're telling me that you really care about academics now, huh? So they can leave out of their semester of college and leave in the middle of the semester and get the fuck out. And you're telling me it's not about money, but you won't let them get a job. You let them sacrifice their whole life for 12 months a year. And then if they get hurt or they get a bullshit, non-malicious targeting call, you're so quick to fucking eject them, kick them out, 
you you suspend him a bowl game for flying his girlfriend to the fucking bowl game. Like you're not about money though. It's fucking blows my mind. But you you're all about academics. But you can let oh go ahead and transfer week three and then sit out a semester and then transfer back in in the spring at Baylor again and then play there in the spring and then start your academics over. Like holy fuck, man. I understand you graduated in this case. He graduated. It was a grad transfer, which I don't mind because Russell sent, Russell Wilson was the first real grad transfer that started this whole ball of wax we had one ryan mundy from woody high went to michigan graduated came to west virginia for his a uh, graduate chance he was awesome he came in and was like yeah. a veteran leader that type of, i think there are good situations you know like there I, are. I think their grad transfer should be the only ones allowed in my opinion that's the only ones i think should be allowed grad transfer yeah. i think the ncaa is setting a bad precedent by saying you have any adversity at all, fucking leave. And then when you go to get a job in the fucking real world in the fucking 18 months, you get fired for fucking, you don't like your boss. Like I did my podcast the other day. I'm like, is there a workforce portal? Can I go quit my job and enter the portal at JCPenney and then leave and go to Macy's? Like, why, why isn't there a work portal? Like, we're setting ourselves up for failure, our younger kids, and that's what they don't get and they don't see. But... Well, who am I? I'm just an asshole that everybody says, oh, you're an asshole. I'm like, oh, well, fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, there probably are some situations. Oh, yeah, yeah, no yeah, doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean, you're also a, you know, an entrepreneur. We That's got, right. Hey, yeah. we got this new 120 proof slap, dude. Oh, what? Yeah. How yeah. does that happen? Oh. Hey, give me gasoline. Yeah. The coach's stock. That's what we're going to call it. We're trying to get it out, man. A little red label, spice it up, you know, trying to. Let's go. We're going to try to do a holiday deal with it and uh, see, how it, see how it goes over. But you know what? Pat, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I understand as a, you know, I'm not, I may be dumb. I'm not stupid. Uh, you know, there's a difference. Be, make sure we clear. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm never going to get into fucking big time, you know, Total Wine or BevMo or whatever you guys have out there as far as liquor stores with the Slapdick brand. Just, and I believe it's truly because of me, not because of the term Slapdick, <laughs> because there is a whiskey out there in these big chains called cold cock it's a fucking rooster holding his dick and it's selling and it's in these big chains and i talked to ceos at bevmo and all these places i'm like wait up so you don't you don't like slap dick one word actually i made it one word just to get it cleared because if it was two words i would have been fucked but one word made it a lot better right <laughs> Cold cock is a better. Is, is okay. All right. We'll like, continue to push it for slapstick with you. All right. We appreciate yeah. you. We got to get out of here. You're the best. We'll see you next Friday. Hey, Be safe. Hey, Peace. you. Owe, you owe us five, Coach Jason Brown. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions. Hey! millions of dollars to their users FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sports book going for a lot of reasons most of them what I just said uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Nah. 
Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. It's time now, AJ, for us to do something that is going to become an annual feel-good Friday tradition. Yeah! We will pick the entire slate last week. AJ Hawk was 10-4. and four. I was 6-9, and 7-9, and 8-9, I think. Yep, 8-9. 8-9, 8-9, I think. And I'm already starting 1-0 oh with the Panthers minus 7.5. AJ didn't even know the Panthers were playing last night because he was golfing in the Ryder Cup. We will now pick the entire slate. Let's get to it. AJ, Colts, Titans. Is that five and a half happening yeah. down there in Nashville? Uh, Vrabes Titans are favored by five and a half. Your thoughts, AJ? Uh, Titans minus five and a half. Wow. All right, I'm not going to pick this game. I don't want to bet with my heart. Do you want the updated lines or no? Yeah. What it's is four it? and a half. Titans four and a half, absolutely. I'm not going to bet with this one. I like my heart. You know, too much. Okay, Arthur, that's heart. a loss. If you choose no. to opt out, it's a loss. I'll no. pick the Colts. Move to the next one. Wow. I'm not happy about it at all. I just want to let everybody know I'm not happy about it. The quarterback that's going to be playing has two sprained ankles. Mm-hmm. Brett Hundley's probably going to come in there. and Hopefully what he doesn't know is how to run the offense, so he just runs for his life and makes plays. True. And hopefully they can stop Julio and A.J. Brown. It doesn't seem like the Colts should cover this at all, especially down in Nashville. Great fan base down there. I'm sure it's going to be electrifying, but I got the Colts just because I have to. Falcons Giants. Giants are favored at home by three against a terrible Falcons team. Your thoughts, AJ? I am somewhat surprised the Giants are favorites. I'm taking the Falcons plus three. Okay, you're taking the road favorite. I'm taking the New York Giants minus three. Let's go ahead, Joe Judge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chargers, Chiefs. Chiefs minus six and a half. Seven now. Minus seven at home. Here we go. You want my pick? Yeah. Chiefs minus seven. Wow. I know you say they don't cover a lot, right? I don't care. I think the Chiefs minus seven. Chiefs win, Chargers cover. Let's go to the next Woo! game. Uh, Bengals at the Steelers. Steelers favored by three. Joey Burrow, after almost leading a miraculous comeback against the Chicago Bears last week. Jamar Chase, two touchdowns in his first two football games. Is Zach Taylor an actual coach? Will they be able to cover and win potentially in Pittsburgh? I think so. I'm taking Bengals plus three here, and I think there's a good chance they win this game. Wow. There's a whale of a play. He says he takes Cincinnati money line. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers at home in front of the Yenzers, covering that three after what happened last week against the Raiders. Chicago Bears and the Browns. Uh, Bears are getting seven and a half in Cleveland. Justin Fields' first start. Money line would be plus 290. Your thoughts? I mean, I really am tempted to take the Bears there. But, you know, I'm, it's so – what is it, seven and a half? Yeah. All right, I'll take Browns seven and a half. Me too. Rookie quarterback, Browns defense is very good. Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett potentially meeting at the quarterback. Browns fans in the dog pound will be going bananas, I believe. Ravens traveling to the Lions, only seven and a half. Is that still only seven and a half? Uh-huh. We like the Ravens, right? Uh, I'm going to take the Lions at seven and a half. Wow. Let's go. Really? A lot of points. I don't think the Lions are as bad as some people think they might be. Okay, and some people think they're not as good as some people think they might be because that Niners game was much different than it was. I love the Lions. I just think this year Lamar Jackson is on a bag chase. Okay, I think no matter what happens. And we also had Mark Andrews on. I like him. I like the Ravens to cover uh, seven and a half. Next game, Saints-Patriots. Saints are getting three points going into New England. Uh, Mac Jones is obviously the starter up there. Haven't scored a lot of points. Uh, I don't know how things have really gone. Saints have been literally the greatest team in the NFL and the worst team in the NFL. Your thoughts? So what, Saints are three-point dogs? Getting three, yeah. 
I'll take the Saints plus three. Go to hell. Okay, I'll take the Patriots. Let's move yeah. on. Cardinals, Jags, minus seven and a half in Jacksonville. I got the Cardinals. Cardinals. Washington, Bills. Washington getting seven, going up to Buffalo. Josh Allen has not put a, a great performance together yet. I'll take the Bills and the points. They won 35 nothing last week. I'll take the Buffalo okay. Bills. He didn't have crazy numbers yet. Okay, let's go. Jets at the Broncos. Broncos are favored by 10.5 at home. Jeez. All right, I'm taking Jets at 10, minus 10 or plus nice. 10 and a half. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'm taking the Broncos. <laughs> Dolphins, Raiders. Raiders minus 3.5 at home against the Dolphins uh, with uh, banged up to us. So, Jacoby Brissett. I like Jacoby. I think Jacoby gives them a chance to win, so I'm going to take them with the points. Okay. I like the Raiders. The Raiders win these games. It's Raider season right now, it feels like. I'm taking okay. the Raiders. Seahawks, Vikings. Vikings 0-2, obviously. Only getting two and a half points against the Seahawks after a heartbreaking loss in overtime last week. Seahawks minus two and a half. Seahawks minus two and a half. I agree. Dalvin Cook is questionable, although Skull Bros are saying he's back. Bucks, Rams, one and a half. The Rams are getting at home against the traveling Super Bowl champions. I'm going to take the Rams here. Uh, me too. And the uh, Packers, Niners, three. Packers, for sure, plus three. Me too. I like the Packers okay. Sunday night football wow. out there. Uh, wow. went, and then obviously, Eagles, Cowboys. We'll address that on Monday. That's the entire slate. Mm. All right, that's the show. Thank you guys for watching, listening. We know there's so much shit out there that you could be spending your time with. The fact that you want to spend it with us, it's pretty cool, and we appreciate it. Don't forget, Pat, 8 p.m. tonight on Fox, Friday Night Smackdown, live from Philly, and then Extreme Rules Sunday night in Columbus. Great NFL slate this weekend, good college slate. Enjoy it. We'll see you guys on Overreaction Monday. Cheers. Cheers.